whenever you are and however you happen to be listening. We're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, especially if you're sitting in traffic. Maybe you're frustrated you're on a commute. We got your back. We're going to be in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes with gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is free thanks to our sponsor this week, Squarespace. Squarespace! They made that possible, bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show, all about games. And there are many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I am your host, Jeff Kanata, that's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who's still coming down from the ultimate thrill ride, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian! Hello, Jeff. I'm going to remember to say it up top, uh, bonus content. I interviewed Michael A. Levine, who is a composer. He wrote the, the Kit Kat jingle that everyone knows. Sorry, it's in everyone's head now, but also more relevant to this show, the Resident Evil 7 theme. It was with the uh, launch trailer. Awesome. Also, the worked on the Lord song, Everybody Wants to Rule the World, the kind of step-down, darker version of that that was on the Hunger Games and also the Assassin's Creed Unity trailer. And it's a really cool chat about, you know, doing music for games and his time in Japan and stuff like that. So that's at the end of this episode. Yeah, that's cool. But like WrestleMania, man. Well, I'm not into wrestling. I love that you love it, but I'm not into wrestling. That's okay. But it was amazing. John Cena proposed. Hardy Great. Boys came back. Awesome. Come on, man. Ultimate thrill ride. You didn't even watch it live. So don't come at me like you're yeah. the biggest fan. Couldn't. I couldn't. It was my <laughs> father-in-law's birthday. I couldn't. But I watched, I watched Time Delayed. I didn't miss that. Um, we got a big show for you guys. This is going to be a fun one. Uh, we got a lot of cool stuff to talk about. The games are still rocking and rolling along. As Christian pointed out, really awesome bonus content at the end of the show. And we have an awesome guest to hang out with us and, and chat. You know that DLC is always your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week we are excited because DLC stands for Displeased Little Chicken. Because from the Angry Chicken podcast, as well as Into the Nexus and For Azeroth, our buddy, Mr. Garrett Weinzerl, is with us. Hey, Garrett. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. I know that you're uh, actually a little under the weather right now, so we appreciate you powering through and hanging out with us. It's That, that, that I am, but apparently, according to, to Christian, that just means a sexier tone of voice for your listeners. Yeah, yeah. I, we should have actually delivered a warning right up top it is going to be very sexy the voice the voice of garrett weinzerl today very i mean almost too sexy so be prepared for that uh but i had a good, great time i'm i'm now a regular monthly contributor to uh into the nexus uh, your show about heroes of the storm uh, i was just on this week so if you guys want to hear more of us chatting you can always check out that show as well um we got a lot of stuff to talk about guys so let's get right to it with story of the week Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by using our hashtag, that's DLCSOTW on the Twitters. Or, even better, by visiting our subreddit where cool, fun people hang out, talk about stories, talk about the show. And submit stories for our consideration. That is 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Some cool stories submitted this week. Uh, Garrett, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. I hope I know what story you're picking, but we'll see. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what is your story of the week? 
I, I'm going to uh, I'm going to come out swinging and say that I'm actually uh, excited about the Star Wars Battlefront Two announcement because oh. I'm going to be at Star Wars Celebration on Saturday to see that panel. That's pretty cool. Yeah, we got the confirmation that Star Wars Battlefront Two is happening. I mean, I think we all knew, but its actual coming out party will be uh, April fifteenth, this Saturday at two thirty p.m. Eastern Time at the uh, Galaxy Wide Premiere panel. Uh, at Star Wars Celebration. So my question to you, Garrett, then, is did you play the first Star Wars Battlefront a couple years ago? I played every Star Wars Battlefront. (laughs) Okay. And what are you hoping that this one brings to the table? Uh, I hope it's more like Battlefront 2 back in the 360 days because I played that game until my eyes hurt. So you want Battlefront 2 to be like Battlefront 2? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yes, I do. And, so in, in I, I also ways, wouldn't mind them coming out and being like, just kidding, we're naming this Battlefront 4. You're welcome, right. fans. <laughs> so in what way specifically do you want it to be like Battlefront 2? Uh, I'd like a, a little more uh, care being given to the, the, the flying vehicle sections of it, and I would I would love uh, them to bring back the uh, the inside of capital ship battles where you could fight your way into like a loading dock and get in an X-Wing and fly out and land in a Star Destroyer and keep fighting. Cause that was, well, that's what I always wanted as a kid and I got it, but I wouldn't mind it in the beautiful graphics they've managed to bring into uh, the new battlefront. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody was blown away by that. Uh, the frostbite battlefront that we got uh, just what, two years ago now um, visually. I mean, the, 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 attention to detail using the actual models from Lucasfilm to build all of the in-game models, all that stuff, I think dazzled, but I, for one really felt like the game was a little hollow and maybe perhaps a little rushed just content wise. Um, And I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I know that that's not what battlefront is, but I'm hoping there is a single player campaign mode because uh, that's, that's how I like my first person shooters. I like them with campaigns and I want to play me some star Wars so um, I'm holding out hope that there is some sort of fun campaign, single player, maybe even co-op element to the game that's not just, um, you know, not just shooter levels, not just, uh, you know, big arenas for multiplayer done in single player, but actually has story beats and campaign stuff. Um, Christian, how about you? Are you are you excited for this? Yeah, I loved the first one. I bought, I waited for it to get cheap, but, um, you know, the season pass for some of the maps after everything was out and there was a good sale on it during one of the holiday sales. Um, they have said, Andrew Wilson, EA CEO, Andrew Wilson confirmed that the game will have, um, single player campaign. He hasn't, there hasn't been elaboration on that. So it might just kind of be, you know, um, single player or multiplayer, <laughs> you know, multiplayer disguise yeah. a single player. But that shows that they've listened. You know, they're they're talking about it. It's a bullet point on the box. I feel like they're going to put a little more care into it. I, um, you'll be happy with this, Jeff. I, I need more VR missions, man. That first one is yeah. so good. I don't know if the whole game, you know, all the vehicle sections need to be in VR or whatever they work out. But I would love, you know, five to ten whatever i want all of them i want rogue squadron in vr which i know is not battlefront but <laughs> they showed what they could do i want more of that i suspect that will not be part of this game but i, I hope agree. that it's its own game i would love its own game. i mean the fact that this is coming to playstation 4 pc and xbox one kind of makes it seem less likely that they're going to add a bunch of you know playstation vr specific stuff but i obviously agree with you i mean i want i want 
X-Wing VR missions. I want speeder chase uh, in VR. I want pod racer in VR. You know, give me it all. I want, I want, I want. Um, so I'm hoping they're also working at, you know, on that in parallel to this. But uh, I guess we'll know more come Saturday and we'll be talking about uh, this game more next week. Um, but Gary, it sounds like you are, you know, whatever it is they, they announce, you're, you're in already. Yeah, I'm. I, it, for me, I completely agree with what you brought up, Jeff. That it, you know, it, it was a pretty hollow game. It was pretty, you know, feature light. Um, but I mean, I mean, looking at the other stories and stories of the week, I mean, I have enough games: Heroes of the Storm, Hearthstone, World of Warcraft that uh, take a lot of my time. I I like Battlefront just as my kind of popcorn game. Like I just sit down and turn off, and uh, and I don't group with anyone, and I just kill nameless strangers with laser rifles. So uh, <laughs> more of that. That sounds good to me. Uh, Christian, how about you? What's your story of the week? Well, I don't know if you guys know this, but apparently there's a VR headset called the Oculus Rift, and um, I I wasn't aware of it before as a company. I didn't know anything about kind of what's happened over there or anything like that. But I'm very excited about the Oculus Rift. I'm a big fan of the product now that it's out officially this week. And uh, I'm happy to say that the Batman big... Arkham VR is coming to the Rift and Vive April 25th, which is one of the best VR experiences I ever had. I know the Vive's been out for a while, and the Sony PlayStation VR has been out for a long time, too. But it's cool to see that this game is coming not only to Vive, but the new headset, the Oculus Rift, that just came out also. So this is uh, Christian's way of both being snarky and also uh, introducing two stories of the week at once. So yeah, it's buddy. A, <laughs> it's a double whammy. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, Batman Arkham VR is coming to both Rift and Vive, which I'm excited for just because I think the hand trackers are superior. I, I'm anxious to replay that game. With I might double dip. Yeah, I think I will. Yeah, actual good hand tracking, you know, instead of the crappy move controllers. Yeah. But um, so that's good news. I, I think just to comment on that, briefly uh because that's not really your story of the week um i mean it is it, it, but it's only my story because of the other story you know <laughs> right. like i can only talk about it because of the other story. <laughs> <laughs> uh but just to comment on that i think that i think that points to the fact that any vr experience at this point has to come out on everything because the the, the you know the the user base across all platforms across any one specific VR platform isn't robust enough to support the kind of development and, and resources that these games require. So if something is coming out on one of the platforms for a while, it's only going to be for a while, right? You're eventually going to see these VR games ported everywhere unless they're specifically funded by one of the platform holders themselves. So. You know, and I suppose I, I suspect that uh, Sony gave some dollars to Arcane to make it, but um, I still don't think we're going to see true VR exclusives. Rocksteady, last. right? Did I, what did I say? Arcane? I'm an yeah. idiot. I was thinking Arkham. Arkham. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, that sounded right. Uh, but wrong. That's not Arcane. Yeah. Uh, Rocksteady, right? Um, anyway, I think it's very cool. Uh, Garrett, did you get a chance to to try Batman Arkham VR at any point? I have uh, an admission to make. I've never even had a VR headset on my face. You got to get it on your face, dude. That's the, <laughs> that's the place to put it. Yeah, if you're putting it on your knee, that doesn't work there. It doesn't work at all. 
It goes I haven't, in your face. I, I haven't even had the uh, chance to even put it on my knee. I've never, I've never been near a VR headset. Oh, Garrett, you gotta, you gotta come out to California and, and come over to my house. And I'll Jeff's give you packing his VR room right now. He's getting on the plane. <laughs> you got it. No, you got to come over here. I got the, I got it all set up. We could, we can, you'll, I'll convert you. All I mean, right, that sounds, cool. that sounds ominous, but I. I but I will convert you. You're going to give me the VR cult Kool-Aid? Is that what I'm hearing? Yes, yes. All right, sounds good. Um, but really what Christian is talking about uh, is is the fact that um, Palmer Luckey officially left Facebook slash Oculus this week. Um, and, you know, as if you've listened to this show, you know that we have had some issues with uh, Mr. Lucky's behavior over the last two years. Uh, Christian in particular, I think, was uh, putting his money where his mouth was and uh, was abstaining from any kind of Oculus support or discussion um, until this very moment, right? This is what you were hoping for, Christian, right? I mean, I'm never hoping for someone to, you know, lose a job. And, and they haven't commented on why he left. I, part of me thinks he maybe always only had a one-year contract, you know, to stay on after a year after the launch of the device. And after that, it was negotiable. I, I don't have any evidence for that. I think it could explain why they were kind of silent on the issues and kind of just let it ride out because at some point that's cheaper than, you know, any type of severance that might be required to do something earlier. Um, you know, ultimately my hope was or would be that um, I'm going to use the term grow up, but that, you know, Mr. Lucky would grow up and mature in a way that, um, you know, is expecting a lot from him. Uh, of his age and, and with his, you know, quick wealth to maybe happen, but kind of mature and realize the influence he has in the world the same way with when, you know, major league athletes kind of say, I'm not a role model. I look for them to realize they are. <laughs> you might not want to be, but you are and just to step into that role and, and serve it well. That's always the goal, but I am excited to see, you know, barring that Facebook and Oculus trying to hopefully move forward from this and, and hopefully they've learned and, and as a company, their culture can improve and they can do cool things in the space again that's not being hampered with negative press and and stuff like that from the original poster boy of the technology. I don't want to mean to be pessimistic, but uh, the way to get a 24-year-old millionaire to grow up is not to give them more free time. <laughs> but, but you know, we shall see. I, I also remain hopeful that um, some of that behavior that we saw, you know, him funding hate groups and, and kind of being outspoken about his support for just kind of despicable behavior online – uh, I hope that he grows out of that. Um, clearly, some of the stuff that led to the $500 million settlement with Zenimax was right in his, you know, in his wheelhouse, right in his, in, under some his, his oopsie daisies. <laughs> yeah, some oopsie daisies. And let's hope that's all they are and that he, uh, he can, you know, contribute to the industry and be a, an innovator. I mean, he really, if, even if he was just a poster child, he did tangibly, uh, contribute to the the resurgence of VR and and I think that's a positive thing certainly for me as a big fan of the technology I'm I'm appreciative of that so I wish him the best and hope that he can uh, realize that some of the some of the destructive behavior is just that um but I I'm I'm most excited the reason I'm most excited about this news Christian is because now you get to use your Oculus again we get to talk about it again it's happy days are here again <laughs> I believe I texted you and said uh 
with the link to the news, like you hadn't, like not everybody had tweeted it to you already, uh, but in the event they hadn't. And I said, what do I get? What do I play first? Rock Band or Robo Recall? <laughs> yeah, you're in. Because <laughs> apparently both of those games came out on the same day, uh, this Friday of last week. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, well, I guess that leaves me uh, with the story of the week that, um, you know, got me the most excited this week. And, and Gar- Garrett and I have already talked about it a lot on his show Into the Nexus, but um, it it bears bringing up again. There's a basically a relaunch of Heroes of the Storm. Uh, Heroes of the Storm 2.0 was announced this week, and uh, there's a lot of really cool stuff, including a a new progression system and uh, a new loot system that really borrows a lot from the things that are happening in Overwatch. Uh, you get loot boxes, and those loot boxes can have a whole variety of different stuff things in them that previously you would only be able to buy with uh, real money. Um, they are adding new types of currency to the game that are a little, you know, free to play e that, uh, you know, I'm not super thrilled about, but I think overall it's a pretty cool big moment for a game that's been out for a while. And uh, I'm excited to talk about it a little more. Uh, Garrett, we, you know, obviously are, are thrilled about this, but what are your general thoughts about here's the storm 2.0? You were at the, um, the big event that they that they held to announce this. Yes, yeah, it was. They had an uh, they had an event in uh, Orange County uh, last Monday um, for uh, a group of of Heroes of the Storm uh, like casters and personalities and uh, obviously podcasters because I was there. Um, and they announced all of this, and I had to keep my mouth shut for one whole day. It was very hard. <laughs> um, and uh, I th- I think it really. I mean, there's there's nothing but good things about this at the end of the day even the one thing that that rubs me wrong which is them bringing in this kind of free-to-play currency because even when you like when you go and look at how much it will cost you to buy this currency uh, everything's just getting cheaper and things that previously you could only buy with real money you actually have a chance of getting for free so so even the one little thing that rubs me the wrong way like mathematically is fighting me and uh other than that i'm i'm very excited i've actually been playing um probably the most of the heroes ptr which in this case they just renamed it to the 2.0 beta uh, than i ever have i usually go in try the new hero and move on with my life but uh i just keep wanting to get in there and play around with the new systems yeah i mean i think to be clear about what we're talking about is they've they've introduced new currencies that will take the place of showing you the real money cost of something so it's kind of the opposite of what has happened with, for example, Xbox Live money, right? So you started out with, uh, you know, what we like to lovingly refer to as space bucks, uh, the this, this, you know, invented currency that you pay real money for to get that currency, and then you use that currency to buy digital stuff in a digital environment. Xbox started out like that, and they changed over to actually showing you just the price of something in, you know, real human dollars. Here's the storm is going the opposite direction. They started out with, hey, it costs $9.99 or $2.99 or whatever it is. And now it costs, you know, this fake currency that they even, that they, that you use real money to buy. Right. It's called, uh, gems. Right. Uh, so th- there's part of me that, um, recoils at this, uh, from a free to play, uh, mentality. And I, you know, I- I'm so, pot committed to this game at this point anyway it doesn't really matter because i'm going to do whatever because i love the game but i'm curious christian your perspective because i think even more than this uh the currency issue 
I wonder what your thoughts are with regard to the casinoification <laughs> of video games. Uh, I, I know you play a lot of Overwatch. You, you're not a Heroes of the Storm player, but this system is very similar. It's um, you get something, and much like in Hearthstone, uh, you get a, a mystery box of stuff. And you can pay real money to buy mystery boxes or you can earn them by playing the game. And so you, you, know, you pull that crank on the, on the uh, slot machine and pops out fun things. But you're not buying one-to-one the actual thing you want to buy or earning the actual thing you want to buy. You are earning a chance at, buy, at getting stuff, right? What do you feel about that? Do you think that's problematic in the long term that we're all sort of just pulling slot machine levers? I wish I was smart enough to answer that question because it's such a fascinating question that I feel like I am, despite all my rage, I'm still just a rat in a cage. Um, Good time to reference. Thank you. I I am. I'm in the cage, right? I'm not a game designer, Um, you know, maybe critic or whatever, player, understander. But there was a fascinating article in the New York Times. I think it was yesterday or maybe two days ago. Um, It was about Uber and kind of how Uber is trying to be more driver friendly. But it also talked about psychology of people using the app, of the drivers. And a lot of it was talking about the gamification of the app and talking about how video games have used things like this for years. And also casinos have used things, these incentives and, and other forms of social media, you know, to to be those hooks to keep you pushing the button. And for Uber, it was to keep drivers driving longer and going to parts of town where Uber wanted them to be versus where the driver would otherwise naturally be hanging out. And so I don't know if I'm the stupid one and that I've never spent any real money on Overwatch after buying it, or if I'm the smart one because those hooks haven't gone into me. In Overwatch, and I, I can't speak to heroes other than you know what you said and what I've heard on this show and from other you know media I might consume. But in Overwatch, nothing you unlock or that comes in loot boxes affects the gameplay in any way, shape, or form. You'll get different uh, spray paints, different you know VO lines, different victory poses, um, different outfits for your character, but nothing about how the game plays is any different. I've been very excited when I got, um, I have, during the Halloween event, I got Soldier 76's, it's kind of a Michael Jackson thriller zombie look character skin. And when they announced the skins for the characters, I saw that one, I was like, oh, I hope I get that one. But at no point would I, did I consider spending money to buy loot boxes to maybe get that one. So for, for me, that reward system isn't working in a way of generating money, but I have friends who, who it is and they like it uh, and they're happy doing it because, you know, they spend so many hours with the game. It's not really that big of a deal that they they have fun in opening the boxes. Like you said, that, that lottery, that pulling the casino lever version of it, that's fun and exciting. Like what's your value of the $2 you spend on the loot box or whatever. Um, but then I overthink it and I wonder, well, I wonder if their incentive for this is twofold uh, blizzards. One, try to entice real money out of you, but then two, just keep you in the game longer because just keeping you in the game longer, you know, it means you're a bigger fan and at what point they'll convert you then to spending more money in the game. And so by this loot random draw, you get something cool. Like, oh, cool. This skin, this emote, this spray. Uh, I'm only, you know, 25 XP away from getting the next level and I get my next box I'm gonna, or this holiday event is starting now. I want to stay in the game. I want to keep experiencing this. And then you're, 
you know, an advocate for the game, telling people, oh, the winter, you know, solstice has started. You got to play to get these skins and you're doing free advertising for them. So there are hooks deep in this that psychologists, I'm sure, understand and that Blizzard is very smart about. And as a player, I don't quite get them. <laughs> like, I don't understand how I'm being manipulated, but I've never spent real money on it. So as long as it's not affecting the gameplay in any way, shape, or form, I'm totally okay with it and I can, you know, do a good job protecting my wallet. But when it flips that other way, I start to have a problem with it. But I know you've spent real I guess you just only bought skins you knew you could buy, Jeff. You never spent money on these kind of um, random lotto boxes kind of things. Is that right? Well, they weren't available in this particular game. I mean, I've I've certainly bought Hearthstone card packs, uh, which is the same kind oh, of thing. Okay. Uh, but right? that changes the gameplay. Yeah, you need them, but they are still just like chances to get stuff. It's really, you don't know what you're getting. You're getting an opportunity to hopefully get the cards you're looking for. Um, and I think that Blizzard is very smart in how those things all happen, right? It's very pleasurable to open a pack of cards in Hearthstone, just graphically and, uh, you know, in an audio way. Like, it's very tactile. Things explode and stuff mm -hmm. shoots out. I mean, all that stuff is not by accident. That all is working on me on a, on a fundamental level uh, to, to give me joy. It's pushing those joy buttons in my brain. Um, and I, you know, I don't know about you, Garrett, but I, I actually worry about this a little bit that I'm so programmed to enjoy things. Like, is that wrong? <laughs> is it bad? Uh, well, I mean, that, that sounds like the most personal problem of personal problems. I'm not sure I can help you with that there, Jeff. Well, but... you don't share that feeling. You know, you're, you know, you've spent um, some money on, on some blizzard games in your time. Oh, absolutely. Um, not in heroes. Um, like I'm with I'm with I'm in Christian's corner because even in this new system, uh, you can still buy every single hero in the game with real money if you want to get them right away, or you can get them with gold, which is a, an additional free to play currency which you'll just accrue. Yada yada yada. So, in on the hero purchasing front, nothing is changing. the o The only thing that's happening is you don't have a chance of just randomly opening a hero, and you won't need to spend money on them. So, like I I see that as okay, I guess. Um, so, I mean, I'll, I'll, if if you're asking me, Garrett, uh, are the loot boxes very fun to open? Yes. The answer is is yes. <laughs> Do I think I'm going to, on day one, blow a ton of money on a fat stack of loot boxes? The answer is no. I'm just going to keep playing heroes as I have. All right. Fair enough. Um, I'm the only one with existential angst about, uh, you know, <laughs> what is happening to my brain when I'm enjoying things. I, I, I understand. Love the darkness to your loving, loving things. Like it's finally caught up to you. For years, you've just been a, a bright light and a beacon, but now finally you've succumbed to it. Proving once and for all, there is nothing good in the world, Jeff. Aww, that's the sad commentary. Uh, let's talk about another bit of news that happened this week. Um, I, I know we talked about Destiny 2 last week because we, we saw a font. But this week, we actually have Destiny 2 reveals. We know it's coming out September 8th, um, much to my chagrin. Well, that's not true. I'm excited it's coming out. But I did predict that it would be delayed. Uh, and I have some friends that were very upset to hear me say that. But I'm wrong. Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm killing wrong. it this year, by the way. What? 
you're, yeah, on you my are, predictions. You are doing very, very well. Uh, all yeah. we need is a 3DS sequel, and you'll be uh, knocking it out of the park. I think I kind of get that one, because anyway, it doesn't matter. No, you Go do ahead. not get that one yet. <laughs> um, Destiny 2, September 8th, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and brrr, Windows PC. Hey, PC gamers, you're getting a, you're getting a Destiny 2. That's pretty exciting. Uh, playing some Destiny with some keyboard and mouse. Also, it's um, you've got many, many options to buy it. It's uh, as much as 250 bucks. You can drop on this bad boy and get some physical things. There's um, an expansion pass that you can get uh, for $34.99. That will get you all the expansions to Destiny 2. Um, The first one fixes the game. The second one adds story content. Oh, cynical. Cynical. I'm just saying the joke everyone's thinking. That's all it is. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, we also got a a cinematic trailer announcement. Uh, no gameplay in this, but it did have the vocal stylings of Nathan Fillion and that dude who's now like in everything. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Lance Reddick. Yeah, yeah, he's in. And is a hardcore Zero gamer. Dawn. Is he really? Yeah, I mean, he loves. To, apparently, this is an anecdote. I wasn't there for it, but heard from friends who were maybe two, three years, or whatever it was at E3. Like showed up at Activision Activision's booth or three four three area and was like. Uh, I'm sorry, Bungie. Sorry, Ui. Uh, it was like, hey, what can I do to help? You know, promote the game. <laughs> like I'm here. Wow. <laughs> like kind of just showed up on his own. It was like, I l- let's do some stuff. <laughs> I, I feel like that dude like flipped a switch and was like, told his agent, uh, I want to do voiceovers in video games because he's in Horizon Zero Dawn. He was in, uh, he's in Mass Effect. He's in uh, this. That's like everything. Every game now. And wasn't he also in the uh, Remedy game? Was he in that um, Quantum Break? Was he? Oh, he was. I think he was. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, of course, John Wick, he's in the John Wick movies. Uh, he's great, but I feel like... In the Wire, for crying out loud. I, I was about to yell at you, Jeff, because you're like, the guy who's suddenly in everything. I'm like, Jeff, he was in the Wire. What's wrong with you? He's been around forever. He's cool. He's great, but... I, I mean... remember him in Sonic 2, I think, it was his first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anywho, um, well, I want to get your guys' take on the Destiny 2 reveal trailer, because I think it has uh, a lot more humor than one might expect from a reveal to this game. Uh, and I'm wondering if you guys think that's an isolated thing with this trailer, or if that points to a lot more humor being in the franchise going forward. What do you, what do you think, Garrett? Uh, I, I, I take this as uh, them taking everything that uh, made the Taken King awesome and just continuing it forward. Cause this, I mean, it, it really comes down to Nathan Fillion as K six, right? Like he carries the humor of that entire trailer. Um, I think uh, expertly, and I didn't even realize Kate Six was a character until The Taken King, where they actually brought in, you know, more story cutscenes and the game stopped taking itself so damn seriously. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a step in the right direction. Um what do you think, Christian? Yeah, I did a whole at least twenty more minutes about these two trailers. So if people want to dive in and spend more time with it, it's uh my Patreon, which is just my name, Christian Spicer. Um I really enjoyed the trailers. I understand um, hardcore Destiny fans' concern with them, um, and I'm curious how they're going to kind of potentially separate themselves from Borderlands more. Not that they are the same game, but when they were when Destiny was first announced, it got a lot of comparison to Borderlands, but then the tone was very different. But now with well, this, I think when I'm- we inevitably get the Borderlands three E3 reveal, which is definitely going to happen. Um, I think that that comparison will be even more apparent. It'll come back unless that's like deathly serious, like <laughs> gone to the moon. <laughs> strap in, jerks. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I, I think it's a very effective trailer. I'm curious how heavy they lean into the comedy throughout the series uh, or throughout the game. And I'm, I'm curious to see if, you know, the trailer presents kind of two factions, two groups in terms of like going out and, and doing these raids. Um, I'm curious to see if that plays into the game at all, or if it was just a comedic device to highlight the the comedy of, of Nathan based off of Reddick's seriousness, or if you're going to see that in the gameplay. And then I'm also curious, I talked about this, I think kind of in length in the at least 20 more minutes, but the idea that they were def- like the, I'm really curious about the plot because I think there's a lot of intrigue in just the reveal trailer where what was his name Ghoul Gowl this villain you know came into came into their turf their tower where they literally keep all of their gear all of their weapons all of everything that you could want right is there and obliterated them and you learn in this trailer that they fought back they didn't just they weren't Everybody wasn't out on a mission, and, they, and their base got surprised. Everyone was there. They fought back. They got their butts kicked. How are you going to defeat this guy? Like, I'm really, really get, curious. You get narratively. Stuff. You clearly have- you find other stuff on like, oh, hey, we never went over to Venus too. Look at the gear on Venus <laughs> too. Stuff. You're gonna get stuff. Uh, but I'm, I'm curious. I, I've always liked the narrative of Destiny, even if I found the world. Uh, prohibitively difficult to get into <laughs> um, but if you do it's really cool and i'm hoping they, they surface more of that and i think this trailer did a good job of of highlighting that and hinting at it but i also might be falling into the same problem people fell into with the first destiny is trying to read into everything and to be like this game's gonna be incredible and it's fine it's just more destiny <laughs> yeah gary were you saying something uh, I, I, to your how you how are you gonna beat that uh, that villain thing? I was like, it's just Dragon Ball Z. Someone stronger shows up. <laughs> right. You need to level up, and then you go back and kick their butt, and then someone stronger shows up again. Yeah, pretty much. Um, oh man, I'm so I'm 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 ready for more Destiny. I'm I'm trying not to get myself too excited though, because I mean we don't know anything quote unquote new that's coming, right? They haven't really said anything about how the game may or may not not be changing. Yeah. Well, I think it's uh I think it's uh, a good sign that it you know it's not going to be compatible with old systems you know destiny one came out and it was the time that De- the first destiny came out but it, it came out on xbox 360 and playstation 3 uh and maybe was held back a little bit like that it was a, it was a little bit of a transition game into the new console generation and now we're firmly in that generation i'm, I'm hoping that we see you know the game taking full advantage and, and i'm excited to see it on pc i think it i think that's a great step for them, I, I would love to uh, have the PC community embrace Destiny 2 and and see where it can go from there. I, I, I just want a much more robust experience, and I hope that the development cycle has been long enough for them to provide that. And it isn't, as Christian says, just more Destiny. But, you know, for a whole bunch of people, that's enough. And I'm just not one of them. All right, uh, let's move on now. But we do need to thank our sponsor, and that is Squarespace. Uh, at a certain point... You're going to have to ask yourself, what is your next move? You know, you're, you're here, you're moving, you got moves, now current moves, but what's your next move? You know, you got past moves, present moves, but there's next moves. Squarespace is there for your next move. Make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace is a place to create beautiful websites, very functional, awesome websites that don't look like every other website on the internet and it's easy. It's so easy to create a great website. I have been using Squarespace. I checked actually this week. My website was created in 2008. So uh, nine years I've been using Squarespace for jeffkanata.com and have 
loved it. It is, uh, I wouldn't use any other service, truly. It is so easy. It's so great. It makes, it's stable. It makes, uh, it makes updating my website so simple. It makes creating really attractive things so simple. You start with great templates. They have a whole bunch of award winning, winning templates. And then you just drag and drop. You just move things around and use their great tools to create a great looking website. They also have 24 seven customer service. So, and that has won awards. So if you have any issues, you can always consult with the Squarespace folks and they'll help you out. And, um, you got, you got domains, unique domains, uh, that are simple to set up and flexible for any kind of website. You get a free one if you sign up for a year. That's pretty cool. And you can start your free trial and it really is a free trial at squarespace.com. They don't even take your credit card until you're ready to purchase your site. You can use their tools and build your site without even giving them a credit card number. But then if you do decide, what you do is you start out by going to squarespace.com slash DLC, and then you put in the promo code Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, and you get 10% off your purchase and you show support for the show. It's great. Make your next move. Do the next thing you need to do on the internet using Squarespace. Make it easy on yourself. Squarespace.com slash DLC, promo code Jeff sent me. Garrett, I know you uh, play a lot of games, uh, but the one I'm most interested to start with, at least, is uh, World of Warcraft, because I am a avid World of Warcraft player. But, you know, expansions come out, I play intensely for a short period of time, then I you know, taper off, and I start to feel guilty about paying that monthly fee, and then at a certain point I just go, ah, I gotta stop, I gotta, there's too many other things, I gotta stop cold turkey. But there's a giant patch that came out this week, and... It's almost expansion-level content. And so I'm wondering if I need to re-up my, my account and get back in. Have you been playing the I, Tomb of Sargon? I have. I have. I, uh, it turns out uh, WoW is my favorite thing to do when I'm sick because it's like autopilot. It's like the, the comfort food, I guess. <laughs> I've played it so darn long. Yeah. Um, so I have played a little bit of uh, the new patch, which is called 7.2. Um, that's a, that's a really hot name. Well, I mean, mean, if you want, if you want the lore name, it's the tomb of Sargeras. There you go. But uh, it's good with your sexy voice. Yeah. Yeah. I got a real, you know, burning Legion voice going on here. (laughs) Um, but yeah, there, there is quite a bit of, of content. I mean, I'm not sure I would go as far to say expansion level. We only got one little chunk of a continent to go and explore and it all looks pretty much, the same. It's green and fiery, and well, it's all felt. Like a, yeah, it doesn't felt. doesn't look like a place you'd want to hang out for long. But uh, get comfortable because you're going to be hanging out there a lot because that's where all your all the new stuff to do is. Um, well, for for the most part, but um, yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff. I mean, the big thing for me that I'm excited about is they're continuing on the class campaigns. Um, yeah, and class mount. Yeah, you can get your class mount now. You can you can fly if you finish your meta achievement. I I just finished the first half of it, so I've got a way to go. But um, there's there's a lot of stuff. I'm 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 what a lot of things about Legion impressed me. But the thing that impressed me the most was the the class order halls and the campaigns that you followed within them. Because um, I came to WoW because I liked. You know, I I liked Warcraft, but I also liked role playing, and I feel it's always been kind of like the third concern of WoW is the actual role playing aspect. Um, and they've done such a good job in Legion 
telling these class specific stories and in some cases even like spec specific um that you i'm really getting to like live out these these fantasies of these of these classes in world of warcraft like that that have never really been the case before because prior to this like any expansion you played through you pretty much were doing the same thing that everyone else was doing and you weren't set apart in any way shape or form Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's so fun uh, getting those class weapons and doing those class specific quests. And they did such a great job in actually leveraging all of the old content and sending you to old places in the world and making, making you rediscover all those, you know, crazy, uh, out of the way places that you don't really venture into after new expansions come out. Cause you're just all wrapped up in the new stuff. Um, and making it really feel like a world of Warcraft again, instead of an expansion of Warcraft. Um, I I really appreciated that as well, and it seems like they've stepped up in a big way the amount of new and how often new comes out. I mean these these you know point one point two uh, updates I think are happening much more frequently than we used to see, and also have a lot more interesting stuff in them. I mean class mounts alone I think feels like to me it feels more like an expansion type piece of content, and that and that's really exciting to have. You know, if I'm a very, if I'm a druid or a priest or whatever, I get a specific mount to my class. That's rad. And there's a specific way to earn that mount. That's really, really cool. It, may, it As you said, it fulfills that fantasy of being a unique role in this fantasy world. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Not to mention we got a, a patch dungeon, which we haven't seen those in quite a few years. So I'm excited about that. There's a new raid. There's... Uh, they've added on to the world quest with uh, invasions landing all over the place, which is good because I'm for one am very very bored with the current world quests. Right. Um, yeah. PvP brawls. I mean, there's so much. There's so much in yeah, here. I haven't. I haven't even touched PvP brawls. There's even like uh, like a whole pets thing, right? There's like a pets dungeon or something. I heard about. Yeah, that's. I'm the wrong. You need to get Jocelyn on the show because I've never <laughs> done a pet battle in my life. Because every time I think about it, I'm like, "Oh, this is so cool! Pokemon's in World of Warcraft." I just end up going and playing Pokemon instead. Right. <laughs> that's cool. Well, in addition to uh, World of Warcraft, what else has been on your playlist? Uh, mostly Blizzard games. I mean, uh, I mean, I've been sick, and then I was out at the uh, at the Heroes thing, so I played a lot of Heroes for nine hours one day. Yeah. That was the, that was the summit. We had like a an hour of them explaining to us what the what two point was, and then it was go play the new stuff. And yeah, that's what we did all day. Um, I'm playing WoW. Uh, picked myself up a Switch, uh, and have been playing Zelda Breath of the Wild. Let's talk about that a little bit. Um, what is your take on Zelda? Are you as as enthusiastic as the rest of the world seems to be? I think it's really good. I think it is far from perfect. <laughs> hmm. Okay, tell me yeah. why. Um, I, I'm I'm in the camp of the 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 weapons are just not durable enough. Like I I like I like that I'm throwing away weapons and picking up new ones. But could they last me one fight, please? Just one fight? <laughs> Would that be too much to ask? You're saying that craftsmanship in Hyrule is not what it once was. Apparently I am the blacksmith in Hyrule. <laughs> right. Yes, that's true. That's yeah. True. And I've never crafted anything out of metal in my life. So these, these, this is some shoddy workman, workmanship. I should be fired. <laughs> um, I think Christian, I think you share some of those views on Zelda, right? That it's not that it's impressive, but not uh, what, what would be your word? Not what fun. No, I mean it's it's a lot of fun. I'm having my my daughter is super into it now, so that's kind of reignited the spark for me. Um, 
I think otherwise I might have bounced off of it until I finished Horizon, which is is tugging at me more. And I, I hate comparing those games. I'm not trying to compare them. I'm just saying those are the two I'm kind of playing right now. Um, for me, Zelda is such an impressive layering of systems and mechanics, and I enjoy playing it, especially with my my daughter. But what I really enjoy almost more than that are watching people's gifts or you know thirty second Instagram videos or whatever it is of the crazy stuff that they've done. And I'm like, that's awesome. But I I guess lack the patience to go seek that stuff out or to do it. I'm like. I almost always solve the shrines the way you're quote unquote supposed to. And then I watch these other, I'm like, oh, I wish I did that. That's awesome. But I never do that. I guess I'm not creative in that way. Or I'm just like, need to, need to min max this game. Gotta beat it, which that's not what Breath of the Wild is, I don't think. Um, so I'm, I'm still enamored by the game and, and constantly impressed by it, but I'm let me, not let me just playing in it the way some people are. Sorry to interrupt you. I just want to comment on that little aspect real, real quick because I think I think that's a really interesting perspective because this is something – it reminds me of when I DM uh, Dungeons & Dragons games. And I think there is a whole generation of us who were raised on video games that the the means to which we um, interface with the, with the video game kind of goes like this. What does the game – want me to do and how do I do it as quickly as possible? What is the game trying to get me to do rather than what do I want to do and can the game let me do that? And I find that when I DM uh, Dungeons and Dragons games with a lot of people that primarily are video gamers instead of, you know, tabletop role-playing gamers, that they are just trying to figure out what the campaign asks of them. So if they, you know, come upon a character in your in your Dungeons and Dragons campaign, and that character has some information or for, you know, is telling them to go do a thing. They interact with it in the same way you might in a world of Warcraft, uh, uh, you know, exclamation point quest giver, where it's just like, okay, what's the information I need? And yes, I'm going to do it already. It's a given because the game wants me to go do that. And now I'm going to do it rather than, you know, actually deciding and, and having some agency over what they want to do and how they want to approach the situation, which the freedom of improvisation in a Dungeons and Dragons setting allows you to do. And I think that's kind of the same paradigm shift that Breath of the Wild is offering to video games. And I think that's why people are going so gaga over it, which is no longer is it just what does the game want of me? In fact, the game often won't even tell you what it wants of you. It'll you'll you'll meet a person and they'll say, "Oh, my my daughter is missing." I think they went that away, you know. And it's like, "Oh, uh, okay. Well, I don't know how to find them or what to do." But I, I, it's much more asking the player to have some agency in in being proactive about how they approach the world. And I think that is really what is so amazing about this zelda is that that's the kind of game it's allowing players to to play we we recently started a, a new uh pen and paper campaign uh and i know exactly what you are talking about you are right? dead on jeff yeah no it's it's a little it's not frustrating but it's a little disappointing sometimes when you, you're trying to convince a group of players to like you know, you guys can do anything. You don't just have to, you're not just playing Simon Says, right? You're not just, yeah. you know, following the instructions of the quest giver. But because we're video gamers and that's the way video games work is like, okay, just tell me where to go. Just tell me what I need to do to get to the next moment. 
Um, but Zelda doesn't ask you that. Doesn't isn't trying to do that. It does not saying you know you need to go get the uh, you know the boots before you can get into the third dungeon. It's blowing that up and going. Just go where you want and do what you want. And, and you know, there's a bunch of systems and you can figure out how to do this stuff. But I feel you, Christian. I feel you. I feel you because I think we're all programmed to not think in those terms. Well, it's not that I necessarily don't think in those terms. Um, I like rollerblading and I don't like skateboarding. You know, like it's just it's. I don't know if it's the way I was raised. I mean, I grew you up were playing. In rollerblades from birth. From birth. birth. From the womb to the blades, I believe, is the story of my memoirs. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, I played Zelda 1 when I was a kid, and that was very explory. I missed Minecraft, um, maybe because I was not of the right age, or, you know, I missed that. I wish I picked up that boat, and I wish I streamed that boat. Um, I'd be living on a very big boat. (laughs) 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 Um, But, you know, I think part of it is what I enjoy, um, what is, you know, tickling that, uh, releasing the endorphins in my brain as I'm, as I'm making progress, as I'm being manipulated by the gaming or media experiences that I'm having. And then the limitations on my free time married with feelings of accomplishment and doing something. And so that's baggage that I'm carrying into the game, but then also types of experiences that I enjoy having. And I'm not trying to take anything away from anyone else's experiences, but, you know, I enjoy watching baseball. I don't enjoy watching soccer or hockey. You could argue both are painfully boring. I get it. It's just the one that does it for me and the other one isn't as strong. But my daughter's curiosity in the world, you know, is is, is reigniting mine because, you know, she is a moth to a different flame where I'm like, Oh, let's go. There's birds circling. Look at all those birds. Let's go see those birds. And she's like, okay. And then we start going up that way. And she's like, Whoa, dad, that tree is huge. We need to see how, how long it takes us to run around that tree. Okay. (laughs) And you're going totally different direction to run around a tree in which she holds my watch and times it. Oh, wow. Right. That's magic seconds. So it's fun. That's, uh, that's like engaging the imagination. And that's, Oh man, I just think that's so magical. That's great. Uh, but I'm not going to uh, pass up the opportunity to use a segue because you brought up baseball. I am not a baseball guy. Yeah, I know, I like I'm very it. jealous. I almost bought this game. I'm I'm actually kind of mad at you right now. I'll hand it to you. I'll, I'll <laughs> hand it to you. I have a disc. I'll hand it to you. Um, so MLB The Show 2017. Sony sent me over uh, MLB The Show 2017. It's not a game I would buy. In fact, I was trying to remember the last uh, video game baseball game that I played. And it might have been like... NES era, you know, all-star baseball, all-stars or uh, RBI baseball. Um, Those games I played so much, man. We play my, me and my friend in in his house, like after school, we would play hours of that, those games. And uh, I don't think I've done it since. Um, So it was kind of crazy for me to return to a a baseball game and see how far things have come and go, wow, that, that looks like television. That's amazing. Um, (laughs) But also, like, the, the gameplay systems are incredible. Like, there's a lot of innovation. There's a lot of variety in how you can even play. There's, like, four different pitching uh, methodologies that you can, you know, uh, functions that you can choose between. You can. I love you describing the innovation of having not touched a genre in 20 years. It's like, last game I played was Super Mario Brothers. Now, Nintendo yeah. sent me a copy of Mario Odyssey. Holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> that's, kind of what it, that's kind of the situation I was in. I was like... Are you guys seeing this? Has everybody seen this? Um, <laughs> it's like, I know I'm a, I'm so late to this party and the last person on the block to to notice. But 
it's just been beyond me. And I think, you know, baseball works as a video game really, really well. Uh, you know, it's, it's much harder to, I think, simulate a NBA game or a NFL game than it is to simulate a baseball game. Like that's why it worked on the NES is because, you know, it's a pretty much, there's like three things you do and they're all like timing based, you know, it's very simple, but uh, to see how much is in this game and you know, Easter egg for a guy like me who hasn't touched this game in a while. There's also like an NES mode in MLB The Show 2017. Uh, there's like this crazy retro mode that basically plays makes you play the game as if you're playing RBI baseball in 1987. So and it has like Griffey doing maybe potentially or purposefully bad VO, and the sound effects are all like the yeah, like yeah, and the and old the, school sound effects. And the oh, that's fantastic. Are all, yeah, the text is all like Commodore 64 or NES level, you know, bad, uh, blocky. Uh, it's great. And, you you know, if, I don't know if you guys remember those games, but you literally like slide your your batter around the batter box like you used to, you know, like to position them uh, in relation to the ball. Uh, it, it's got all those classic trappings. So that was a treat for me as just somebody that hasn't played these games since then. I was like, oh, I could just play it like that. But also, uh, I, you know, I played a couple of full nine-inning games. I thought, you know, I'd just dip in and kind of see what was going on. And I, I was compelled to keep playing. There's a lot of really fun systems. There's a lot. It's it's a very enjoyable thing. Plus, they've got, you know, a bunch of role-playing trappings. You know, you, you, you earn points and you unlock stuff. And there's, you know, dynasty modes. And there's there's even this thing that we've seen in FIFA and NBA 2K, which is like you create one character and then take that character through a story there's a narrative of i think it's called like path to road to the show road and... no no it's it begins with a p path to something path, oh. path to happiness path to joy <laughs> i don't know uh but anyway yeah the road to glory is a or road to the show is a different thing that's like the dynasty mode i think anyway a lot of stuff in this game i'll, I'll let you uh, have it christian because i think you'll enjoy it more than i will but i have really dug my short time with it because uh i rediscovered my joy of, of baseball video games which is pretty cool on opening day uh, i yeah. will gladly accept spend a little more time going to the show i think i think you i'm trying to talk myself out of having an opportunity to get this game quicker um the rpg-ness of what the um, what is it, Sony San Diego, the, whatever the studio yeah, name is, Sony San Diego has have done and and continue to do over the years is pretty incredible. And I think for someone like you that hasn't played, you know, this it's very much iterative at this point um, with this game over the years. But jumping into it now, I think you might find a lot of fun in it, and especially the way that you can then speed up the actual games too, and just kind of play the role that you want to play, and you're not mired into a two hour you know nine inning game or something like that if you don't want to be. Um, they do a really really good job with it. Yeah, uh, I was impressed. Um, I also played uh, the first couple of hours of Persona 5, which yep, still hate you. Go ahead. we'll be talking about a lot uh, in the next couple of weeks as I play more of it. You played Persona 4, Christian? Were you in a yeah. Persona? Okay, this Golden is, Vita. Yeah, this is uh, my first Persona game. Um, I'm coming into it, you know, reading Phil Kohler's review, uh, like giving it a nine and talking about it being this transcendent experience and the greatest, you know, millennial moment in video gaming, yada, yada, yada. I like, uh, Japanese role-playing games. I'm not, uh, -oh. uh huh. I don't, okay. I'm two hours into this game and I have done, I have pressed X to continue, I think for, for two hours. I, um, I mean, I know, I understand I understand the trappings of a Japanese role-playing game, right? I get 
long tutorial, long story setup. I, the story is interesting. You're a kid. You're just disaffected youth who got kicked out of one school. He's going to another school. And now his school is like crazy psycho uh, castle thing, alternate dimension school. Um, but the writing is, you know, we've talked about this so much, Christian, lately. And I, and I don't, I feel guilty harping on it because it's, I think, a cultural thing maybe with anime and how those stories or maybe even a translation issue, how those stories are expressed. You know, every single line is on the nose. It's, it's exactly what a character is thinking or feeling at that moment instead of, you know, it's, it's tell not show is what it is. Um, and I have spent two hours just pressing X to continue. I mean, there, it is as linear as could be. And I have almost no interaction with the world at this point. Um, I, this isn't to say I'm over it. I, I don't even think I've gotten to the game yet. I'm just saying that I've spent two hours of my life. Uh, and I, I, I just want people to be aware if you're like me and you're jumping into this without any context of what a persona game is supposed to be, or, you know, already loving the franchise, just be aware that there is a, a slow burn to get to the good stuff. I haven't gotten to the good stuff yet. I anticipate getting to the good stuff this week and talking about it next week. But, um, it's, it's not a game that like welcomes you in with awesome. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Garrett, are you a person? You dropped the uh, Dragon Ball reference earlier. Have you have you personated? No, I can't stand Japanese role playing games. Wow. Okay, them. I'm going to mute the mic again. Great, back. Uh, <laughs> not for me. Wow, that's interesting because I feel maybe it is um, the Westernization of these things. Obviously, we are all Western people, right? Um, but I feel like heroes and stuff that Blizzard has done over the years is very much that Westernization of an anime or anime, anime, Annie, the musical anime, (laughs) um, archetypes and, and structures and, and even narratives. And I, I wonder if it is like you guys just kind of grew up in that world that something else is so different to you. It's like, you've always had spaghetti and then here's uh ramen and you're like, these aren't noodles. (laughs) Like what is this? It's it's weird because I think when I was younger, I was much more into it. It's, it's, it's a weird confluence of events that happened to me this week because i also saw ghost in the shell <laughs> but i heard that's just awful it is, <laughs> oh, oh it is oh it is but i also remembered like in 97 or whatever that the year that movie came out the anime came out i watched i was all about anime i was like but that's excellent though you can't, the anime you, you, can't say that you watch the crappy version and you don't like anime anymore because you did when you were a kid when you watched the awesome version <laughs> that doesn't work that's true that, 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 yeah that's just a terrible this because ghost in the shell the original anime is fantastic <laughs> It's so good. It is. It, I, but I don't watch the, that stuff anymore. I'm just, I was saying that like where I've gotten into my life is that I, I used to, I used to be all about that stuff. And now, I mean, I got to watch, I got to watch some of it more. I know. In fact, we have a, I think we have a listener uh, parting gift. That's all about that. This so for, for me, um, and I realize I'm going to make no friends saying this. So I'm going to preface the sentence that's about to leave my mouth with. I do not like uh, JRPGs. They are not for me. Uh, they might be for you. Uh, but for me, every JRPG I've ever played, I've just sat there and been like, I would rather watch this just as an anime. It might be great. It might have an awesome story. But it, it to me, it'd be like, yeah, but for just give me, why don't you give me Dragon Ball Z with gameplay that's awful? 
Like, I'd rather just sit there and watch it. Well, let me say some positive things about Persona because uh, you can just wait till next week. Mine's on its way, well, so no, I got to get yeah. through Horizon, and then I'll, I imagine I'll start the gush train. Well, good, <laughs> I, I, and I can't wait to talk about it. But I, I will just say superficially that it is one of the most stylish games I have ever seen. It is dripping with style and in a really really cool way like every font is super neat like the way it presents everything and uh you know you're like it's like slashing into the character's eyes for a second and everything is not like any other video game you've seen it's just got a, a I mean, except for a persona 4 <laughs> oh is it like that <laughs> no, i mean this looks actually much even more stylized but persona 4 i mean to me that's what kept that was the hook right that kept it going was it was such a beautiful world and gameplay experience, and also that it was on the Vita, much in the same way. I think Breath of the Wild works so well on the Switch that the quick sleep mode, pick up and play, you have you know ten minutes here, and that's enough to be like, oh yeah, I'm definitely buying a suit and a skinny tie. Like it's just it's so stylish, and the kids are so cool. Um, but maybe you have to be a someone in the chat said uh, <laughs> only 90, 90s kids will understand. I feel like too, maybe if you're into emo or pop punk, you understand too. While culturally different, it's a lot of the same feels <laughs> yeah. oh really no clicks. i totally get it my my bassist growing up was had his room was just nothing but persona posters yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah persona is bassist that 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 makes a lot of sense yeah and he was a big my chemical romance fan and well i was too and still am and they need to come back and do a reunion tour yeah well that's the rumor right well if they didn't do it for the 10th anniversary of black parade i don't know when they're going to do it yeah, maybe for Persona Five. <laughs> I love I, I love turn based combat. I mean, one of my favorite games uh, of that generation was Grandia Two. I love Grandia Two. I love the Grandia games. I love Skies of Arcadia. I love I love some of the Final Fantasy games. Like I was into that stuff. Um, so, Did you ever finish Fifteen Final Fantasy Fifteen? No. I didn't. I didn't even play Final Fantasy. Never been my cup of tea. But I was curious if it hooked you. And I know that the new Chapter Thirteen is out. Yeah, I know. I, I it did not hook me, and uh, I think the combat system in Fifteen is cool. But I really do love a good turn based combat system, which is what I'm so excited about with Persona Five. Like it actually has turn based combat, and I have done in two hours. I've done exactly two fights, and both of them were very brief. So, uh, so I'm hoping that you know I, I know the game's going to open up, and I'll have more positive feelings about it. I just want people to know. That if you are like me and you're all excited to feel like, oh, I can I can be in on this conversation now because everybody talks about personas and I never played them, just know that the first couple of hours are slow. Yeah, well, you can you can be in the conversation the same way you can any JRPG or any anime or anything. You can be in the conversation after you spend the time covering yourself with the conversation. Like you need yeah. – it's never been, you know, watch the first five minutes of this, you're hooked. It's always – Get in here, spend some time with it. And it's annoying to say um, uh, Neil Brennan, great comedian, um, you've seen his stuff. Um, I'm not going to do the bit, but has this thing where he complains to friends like, dude, you need to watch Battlestar Galactica. It's amazing. And he's like, sits down and watches an episode. He's like, yeah, not for me. And like, what'd you watch? An episode. That's not nearly enough. You got to watch at least four seasons. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's because you said, you know, you spend five minutes with something and two hours does not equal five minutes, but I understand. Right. (laughs) Um, Christian, you want to talk about Hero Horizon Zero Dawn because you've been playing more of that. Uh, uh, so I think very soon we're going to do our spoiler chat. Is can't that right? wait. I can't wait. 
I'm so close to the end of this game, and um, just based on everything I know about it, I, I have a feeling it's not going to fall off the cliff that I, my character has fallen off a few times playing the game. Um, oh my, it's it's um, up there, all time favorite gaming experiences. Same. It's it's up there from the combat. Uh, there will be no spoilers. What I'm about to say, but the combat, the the mechanics the way you feel like you're actually hunting. I mean, it's very video gamey, right? Like you can whistle. I've made fun of the whistle and stuff like that. It has all of the video game hooks and stuff in it. But in terms of how the narrative starts and then as it starts wrapping up, uh, I had never been more excited to find, um, you know, story beat notes than I, than I have been in that game where I actually was disappointed in rooms when there weren't more of them. I was just like, Oh, come give me more. I need to read all of them. And I went back and started reading like the lore I had collected earlier, but didn't bother to read because it was in the middle of something else. This it's, it's an achievement. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. I, I mean, I'm just going to gush at this point until we do our spoiler chat. Yeah, it's no, so good. I'm right there with you. And I, and everybody says, well, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to compare Horizon to Zelda. You don't have to compare it to, like you were saying earlier, but it, it's a benchmark for me for every game that comes out this year because it's, it's so good. It's so good. Um, and we did compare it last week to Mass Effect Andromeda when we had uh, Andrea on. We talked in de- detail about that game. Uh, a lot of complaints we love at the game. We got an email sent to us uh, at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This comes from James. He took issue with that. He says, uh, I've been enjoying both of these games immensely since their release, but your discussion of Mass Effect focused almost entirely on the negatives, ignoring the biggest advantages it has over a game like Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, he, he says... Um, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn is a great game because it gives you an incredibly fun world to explore and has some of the best combat in AI I've ever seen. The sheer joy of the mechanics makes it a game you want 100%. The story is a compelling mystery, but the world is very lonely, and it's really more about a solitary explorer doing whatever she wants. Mass Effect is completely different. It puts you at the helm of a huge team endeavor, doing the most challenging and exciting things imaginable, colonizing a new galaxy. You have a cast of characters with you at all times. You never feel isolated. You always feel like people are depending on you. The story is much more heroic feeling compared to Horizon Zero Dawn, and I find the uh, the narrative more compelling in the sense that I want to always be pushing forward making progress. Don't get me wrong, the mystery in Horizon is fascinating, but there is no sense of a ticking clock. So in fact, I feel more compelled to finish Mass Effect first. He talked about a lot of the, the nitpicks we made about the systems, and he said, uh, people don't play Mass Effect for that crap. They play it for the story and the characters. Andromeda's characters and dialogue are a bit weaker than in previous games. I agree there. But the main storyline is more compelling, and the open-world planets are much more fun to explore than the tiny dungeon-like planets we got before. The game definitely does have a lot of technical bugs, but I'm sure those will be patched soon. I think your discussion focused on minor areas of the game. Mass Effect fans are mostly looking for a compelling cinematic story, cool characters, and good third-person shooter combat. Andromeda delivers in all three of those areas, and all the characters and dialogue being the uh, with the characters and dialogue being the only real weak spot that might disappoint hardcore fans. But I would still much rather have a conversation with a character in Andromeda than one in Horizon Zero Dawn. You also have to keep that in mind. Uh, keep in mind that um, in Mass Effect, it has a lot more going on than pure open-world action game like Horizon. So while it may not reach the level of perfection, it has more to offer. Thanks for reading. Keep up all the great work. I've been a fan for many years. So what do you say to that, Christian? I'm so glad that uh, he loves Mass Effect Andromeda. I, I, and that's fine. I, I, I don't agree. I, I, 
found and and I did not, you know, spend tons of time with Mass Effect Andromeda. I didn't click for me. I I wish I was alone <laughs> listening to some of that dialogue. Um I I never finished any of the other Mass Effects either, so I don't have, you know, the great affinity for the series. But to me, I found the dialogue just in terms of video games and RPGs I've played just bad. And the narrative to lack, uh, it wasn't compelling. And the motivation of my character was forced and trite. And it it didn't click for me. But obviously it is for some people. And I'm glad that it's it's clicking for him. And I, I understand, you know, his take on Horizon Zero Dawn 2, how it's not, you know, you have conversation, you have choices you can make in conversations with people, but it doesn't impact the gameplay in any way. It's just kind of additional dialogue that you get to hear that colors the world a little bit. And they're not super compelling conversations. Nothing you do impacts who Aloy is or, you know, colors her one way or the other or her morality or anything like that. And so I get that some people like that other type of agency in the game. But for me, I found Mass Effect Andromeda to be a, a very solid seven surrounded by nines and tens. And that's just where I came at the game. Yeah. And, uh, you know, people in the chat room uh, have some interesting opinions. Um, uh, Remily said that the world of Horizon, while beautiful, seems so dead and lifeless compared to Zelda. Nothing in the environment reacts to you. Uh, I don't agree with that. I, do, I really don't. I feel like the environment in Horizon is pretty vibrant and i love coming upon a a herd of animals uh, you know machine animals that i can either hunt or turn against one another um they all have wealth of information that i can learn about them and use to my advantage uh, i don't i don't feel like the uh, horizon looks bad in comparison to zelda which a lot of people in the chat room are, are talking about I, I don't and i certainly uh don't think that it that Mass Effect compares favorably to it. I disagree with James, and I, I agree. I think it's great that he loves the game, and I want him to. I, I like the fact that he's into the the story and characters, but I don't think their their story, their character, is is delivered in a particularly compelling way in Mass Effect. Uh, I would rather hear a conversation with Aloy. I think she is much more interesting, and her backstory is much more interesting than anybody in Mass Effect. That's just me, uh, but. Um, I, you know, I, I just take issue with, with, with that. I think the, the little nitpicks that we had, I think all do add up to be, you know, every single system in Mass Effect, every system, uh, has a yeah, but it has a, you know, this is an interesting thing, but it's done poorly or, but there's this annoying part or, but it's hidden in this really archaic menu system or whatever all of that stuff just impedes the enjoyment of those stories and characters so uh, i appreciate i'm glad that we got the uh the alternative viewpoint on the show i'm glad james wrote in but i don't i don't agree all right um let's uh let's move on i know uh, garrett isn't a vr guy but we do have some fun vr stuff to talk about this week so let's get to a little bit of vr talk Christian, you want to kick things off? Yeah, I had uh, mentioned this, I guess, somewhat inadvertently weeks ago, and there was some people were trying to guess what it could be in the subreddit. So apologies if this is a disappointment for you. It's nothing. Uh, Oculus, wireless, we have it. You got <laughs> um, it is not that, but Narcosis is out, and it's the. Uh, 
NDA on it has been lifted for, I guess, like a half a week now, but this is the first show that we can talk about it. And I was super excited to go uh, face on with it or whatever silly thing, you, eyes on, face, head on, face on. Face on. Uh, face on uh, i want to put your face there it is on with it because a friend of the show and friend in real life and weekend confirmed um, veteran indie jeff mattis has his voice and fingerprints all over this game he uh you know is is you <laughs> he is you um is the, the voice of the protagonist in the game and then throughout its development had more input on kind of the writing and the story and stuff like that and it is playable outside of Oculus, but I think, or outside of, is it only? I don't even know. Outside of VR, but um, I think best experienced in in a headset. And um, it's it's really cool. I really love a lot of what it does. You're you're underwater. You're in this heavy diving suit, which I think works really well for VR in a first person game because. Again, I think anytime it simulates your character wearing a mask and you're also wearing a mask, it's that silly one-to-one thing where you think, yeah, this cumbersome headset I'm wearing is the cumbersome helmet, <laughs> you know, my, my character in the game is, is wearing. And the slow movement, I think, helps with potential nausea. I never got nauseated playing the game. It's a, you know, fairly linear, narrative-driven um, experience, which I like in, in my video games, especially with VR, where I can't spend tons of time in a, in a VR headset just because of eye strain and whatever my personal problems with VR are. Um, and it's really cool. The underwater setting is great. I think the, the sound design is really cool. There are a few jump scares in it. Um, and I like how the story kind of unfolds at times, I kind of think there's, it's not a long game, but I I feel like there were some, there was some filler in it where I was just, I get that it's building tension, horror and comedy are often the same and that you build tension to then pop it with a bubble and release it. But sometimes I felt like my, my bubble was full and then no one was there to pop it and the helium started just to leak out on its own. And I was just like, yeah, when's the thing going to jump out at me? Um, My biggest yeah, but for this game, unfortunately, is Resident Evil 7 came out first and that game is so good. <laughs> VR, yeah. yeah. It's and I know it's comparing Capcom huge budget AAA game to a, a small indie game. Um but again, it's the unfairness of comparing games sometimes. In Resident Evil 7, I, especially in VR, I could see taking home game of the year honors and Narcosis is not that game unfortunately. Um it's also not the same price. So, you know, <laughs> give and take. The third of but the it was price, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was hard for me to play Narcosis at times, knowing the the fear I actually had when playing Resident Evil 7. And they do similar things in terms of isolation, loneliness, jump scares, avoiding enemies versus comb- combating them head on. Narcosis, you know, is very little actual combat. A lot of Resident Evil 7 for me was that way. So that was kind of my experience with the game. I know, Jeff, you and I was, we, I was provided a code, just full disclosure, FYI. Yeah, we both were. Uh, for the game um those are kind of my experiences with it i know jeff you you spent some time face on with it as well i did yeah um it is it, it it's a horror game i mean it's a horror game whose chief job is to a make you feel claustrophobic and terrified of being underwater and b make you feel like you're slowly going insane so neither of those experiences are particularly good <laughs> but <laughs> but it's effective i mean it's good it's good at doing that and um it, it is a game that I, you know, I didn't want to play for long stretches. As you said, it's not a super long experience, but uh, I think uh, Jeff's voice and the the sort of running inner monologue of the main character are my favorite parts because it's yeah. 
it really does. The cool thing is the character is a professional. Like, you know, a lot of these video games, you're just some dude, <laughs> almost always a dude. And you're just some dude that gets himself into that situation and is trying to figure it out. I like the fact that in this game, you're a pro, you've done this a million times, something horrible happens at the beginning, and you're in a crisis situation, uh, but you know you, you are using your training, he's constantly talking about his skill set and his training and what he's got to do to survive, and I, I liked that aspect of it, it made me feel more like, you know, in the, in the shoes of uh, an expert rather than just some dude, uh, I, I, I like that about it. There's I'm very, uh, I'm very excited about this game. By the way, this is one of the first few. This and the uh, the stupid little uh, VR thing in Battlefront are the first two things that really make me even consider getting a VR headset. Oh, we're getting you one, man! It's happening. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna hook you on this experience. You're gonna dig it. You're gonna. I, d- I do hope that this comes to PSVR. I think it'd be a. Gr- I don't understand like game development. I don't know if a PlayStation Four could run it, but I think it'd be a great. A great PSVR. Um, oh, it's played with sure. controller. It's not touch controls. I think it'd be an awesome experience for that, especially because the horror genre fans, you know, really rallied around Resident Evil Seven. It did so well in VR. I think this could be a nice, hey, here's a game to play, <laughs> you know, and, kind of experience. You know, you you are so right, Christian, about the the mask being such a great one to one with being inside this, you know, diving bell <laughs> feeling. And they do such a good job of, of, you know, seeing that close up to your face and seeing all your readouts in, and you can move your head sort of inside the helmet. The helmet itself doesn't move until you, you know, until you, you move the stick. Um, so you do feel like a person in a helmet and you can even see the reflection of your breath on the front of the glass as you start to breathe heavy. And that's a major, major element of the game is, as you see these, this scary stuff and you, you do see scary stuff, um, your breathing will become agitated and you'll use more oxygen. And so you, you know, it becomes a crisis where you have to get oxygen tanks. My biggest criticism with the game is that there's no real strategy with regard to that. There's no game element of the, of the oxygen tanks. It's more like you saw something scary. Your, your breathing is going up. You get an oxygen tank. Did you find one? You got it. I wish there had been more, you know, you can grab them and decide when you're going to use the oxygen tanks or if there's some way to try to control your breathing, you know, that so you don't get agitated. I wish there'd been some more gameness to it, but this experience is much more about presenting a linear, really interesting story uh, and doing that in a compelling environment. It's not really challenging you from a strategic or gameplay level. I mean, I heard you say you want a vitality sensor in yeah, VR. Is, yeah, what, is what I heard. <laughs> so let's make let's make the game harder for people who are even more scared. Than, yeah, no, yeah, I'm make it sure harder. Yeah, <laughs> fear is your enemy. I'm um, not sure that's a good thing. <laughs> uh, really quick, the other big uh, VR experience I had this week, I got a chance to to go down to In Exile Entertainment Studio uh, down in. Um, Newport Beach and uh, try out uh, the Mage's Tale. They just announced this game at GDC. It, they're doing the Bard's Tale, which is one of my favorite games ever. It was one of the very first role playing. One of games. the two hundred and fifty favorite games. It's one of the first role playing <laughs> games I ever played on PC. The first Bard's Tale, Brian Fargo's Bard's Tale. Uh, my friend and I used to sit in my dad's office on his little PC and say, "The priest lay hands on him and he is healed," which is how you got healed in that game. Anyway, they're making a fourth Bard's Tale game now in, at, in Exile. And I actually, uh, because of my love for the Bard's Tale, I actually kickstarted it. It's the first 
computer game, video game I've kickstarted, but I got so excited about it. I did. Anyway, um, in parallel to making the Bard's Tale PC game, they are making the Mage's Tale VR game using a lot of the same assets and a shared world. And uh, I got a chance to go down and play it. Uh, I have an interview. I won't put it in, on this episode because uh, Christian's um, bonus content, but maybe next episode we'll do some bonus content with the interview I ran. But it was also on my uh, anchor show, Newest, Latest, Best. Um, this game is really exciting. It's a AAA full five to eight hour experience, maybe eight to 10 hour experience, uh, with a, you know, a big robust spell casting system, uh, dungeons that you explore puzzles that you figure out. I played, um, about an hour of it. It's really cool. There's an entire system where you, in your lab, you have a cauldron and you can unlock, you can find certain spell components that allow you to create spells in your cauldron. And you physically, you take uh, an element, you throw it into the cauldron, and then you have a whole variety of different effects that you can add to it. You can create, you can do it in different colors. Uh, is it, sorry, is it touch or motion? Touch, What's yes, the completely. Uh-huh. Cool. So you're physically picking up something, throwing it into the cauldron. Uh, throwing a color into the cauldron, throwing some properties like you can create, uh, you can you have like um, a uh, ice javelin that you can throw and then you can make that ice javelin orange and then make it bounce so that when you throw it, it bounces around the environment. So you And you physically put all that stuff in the cauldron, then you grab this giant mage's staff and you stir the cauldron to create it. And then you attach it to your hand and you can shoot stuff off from your hands and, and attack enemies. You have shields that you can hold up to block projectiles. And you're doing all these really cool physical puzzles that, that are in the environment. You have to look under things and flip levers and find stuff and push things and, you know, break barrels and all that, all that cool dungeon y stuff. And it looks great. I mean, it looks like a AAA game. Uh, it's going to be a lengthy, long experience. I, I just could not be more excited for this. This feels like the next wave of VR games, uh, these lengthier, beefier experiences. Um, I, I can't wait. It's coming out this summer. It's called The Mage's Tale. That seems like a smart way to develop for, you know, you're talking about earlier how games need to kind of come to every headset. Um, I think it's smart if they have these assets and they they have a team that's competent and able to roll them into a, a cool, awesome, you know, VR experience, but also doubling down on using some of that same assets that are developed uh, with Jeff Kanata's money. Uh, well, to, that, <laughs> quite, the that uh, quite the opposite, actually. Um, they they were telling me that um, a lot of their Kickstarter community was upset. They're like, this isn't what we paid for. We didn't pay for a VR game. We paid for a bar oh, really? And it's quite the opposite. It's actually the money they got from Oculus helped pay for the Bard's Tale. <laughs> So they, they were able to use funds that they got to make VR and, and the assets that were funded through the, you know, Oculus giving them money to make a VR game. They were actually able to leverage that and build assets that they're able to use in the Bard's Tale. So it's the other way around, really. Well, that's great. I mean, I, anytime you can have shared resources and make more good games with them, it doesn't feel like a copy paste, you know, clearly, hey, here's these same assets. Uh, it's a good thing because games are expensive and being able to do more good games with the same amount of money is also a good thing. I can't wait till the next time Garrett is on and he owns uh, three headsets and we can all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got to show him spectating, right? That's the hook. Uh, well, I, I have been lobbying the Heroes of the Storm team to add uh, Dota-style VR spectating into Heroes of the Storm for months because the spectation mode in Dota 2 in on Vive is 
unbelievable. It is so rad. So yeah, I will definitely, if you know, I can talk Garrett into coming out here, I will definitely show up. Well, and Garrett needs another life-consuming game to play. Like, yeah, you know, Heroes is one, but like, unless you're playing all the MOBAs, get out of here. You're no expert. (laughs) Uh, All right, guys, let's uh, move on to um, some quick questions. We're doing something special with quick questions uh, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, our buddy and former uh, or once in future guest on the show, Rich Grisham, uh, has uh, hooked us up with some codes for out of the park baseball, uh, which is 2017, I should say, the newest version 18. of out. Right? 18. Yeah. It's the future. We're in the future. <laughs> uh, out of the park baseball 18. Uh, this is um, a. Uh, a uh, sports strategy game uh, available through Steam or uh, uh, from uh, ootpdevelopments.com. Um, it's a very, very cool version of, of baseball that you might want to play. We have codes. He sent us codes for our audience, and we're going to give them to people that um, ha- supply us with quick questions next week and the week after. So if you have uh, quick questions, send them to dlcfeedback at gmail.com or post them in our subreddit. There's a sticky thread at 5x5dlc.reddit.com for quick questions. So starting next week, um, we will be giving codes to those folks. So I love this idea for a multitude of reasons. One being codes to a a game that people love is always fun. Uh, Thanks, Rich, for doing that. Two... I love I love this idea to get more great quick questions. And three, I love that you're keeping track of giving the codes away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh yeah. That's why so, you get the big bucks. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see how well that goes. <laughs> but let's uh let's do our quick questions for this week. Uh quick question. This one comes from uh Kajitman912. He says, uh, what's your favorite game controller of all time? Do you stick with a controller or do you use a keyboard mouse for things like shooters when the option is available? Ooh. Garrett, favorite controller of all time? PS4 controller. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, I'm the same. I was going to, I think it's like cool and hipster to say, uh, like, you know, uh, wave bird or something like that. But game controllers just get better over time. And the best one is the most recent one. The, the PlayStation 4 controller is the best. Yeah. One. And I think the PS controllers before that were some of the worst of all time. The, it's true. The squishy, like, convex trigger on the PS3. Who, who, how'd that get through any testing at all? Did anyone actually pick that controller up? Christian, what about you? Favorite controller of all time? Um, it's gotta be the Mech Warrior Full (laughs) Warrior. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You guys got here with your DualShock 4s. Um, Xbox One Elite is, is the best controller I've ever, I've ever used. I love it. I love the DualShock 4, but the weight and the rubberized grip and I've, you know, modified, put in like the in-between nubs uh, on the Xbox One Elite. It's incredible. And then I think my second favorite as a bonus would be the Switch Pro Controller, which I I hate. I hate saying, but the I really... $70 Switch Pro Controller? And I need to call to get my Joy-Cons fixed. Apparently they do that, but mine are atrocious. So, But yeah, the, the Elite is too much money and it's dumb, but I really love it. <laughs> All right, quick question. This comes from Scooby Diesel eighty seven. Uh, do you ever snack slash eat while gaming? If so, what's the go to? If not, do you at least drink something? Got to keep hydrated. Garrett, uh, no, you're ruining your controllers. What's wrong with you? <laughs> uh, and if I'm drinking something, uh, it's, well, if it's a long session, I, I still totally pick up a pack of Red Bull. It gives you wings. 
It, uh, uh, no, but yeah. <laughs> By wings, I'm, you mean ulcers. I mean, it's they're kind of related. But. Yeah, do not eat wings while you play games. Cause L- listen, it, when I beat Halo 2 for the first time, I didn't have an Xbox. The only way I was going to actually see it all the way through was to beat it in one night at my friend's pl- house on uh, on launch night. So I had, nice. oh. I had to get a case of Red Bull. Oh, God. <laughs> Shortened your life, but you finished that Halo 2. Damn right. You didn't even finish the fight, though. I mean, that was the worst part. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Christian, snacking, eating, hydrating? No, I often wish there was, like, I always, I know there's, like, that gamer goo. I always wish I could, like, load up a camel pack or camel back with, like, a smoothie or something <laughs> to, like, snack. I'm on with Garrett. I don't want to get junk all over my controllers. Um, drinking, I'm, I'm, I think, odd. I, I pretty much only drink water, black coffee, or unsweetened tea. And so all I wants too. That's like I your chasers. Yeah, it's like all three lined up, and then I mix them together. Um, water more off. I'm so boring. You guys. Uh, no, I'm the same way. I only drink. I really only drink water. Uh, very rarely do I drink anything other than water, uh, unless I'm boozing. But uh, water or wine. <laughs> um, uh, the only thing I snack on while I eat. Uh, this is weird too. I know I'm weird. Uh, it's unsalted raw almonds. Yeah. I love them. All right. You've lived in LA for how many years? Of course, that's your answer. <laughs> yeah. That's actually good with a controller. That makes sense. You don't get really anything good. in your fingers. Yeah. They'll tide you over until you can get a real meal in you. Oh, I also feast on the souls of the noobs that I'm owning. Oh, like, yeah. That too. That too. I forgot about that. The souls of the noobs. <laughs> uh, quick question. This one comes from Breadman86. Quick question. Do you guys keep physical copies of games that you own digitally now or physical copies of games that you don't even own a device that can play them anymore? Garrett? Uh, yes. Prince of Persia, Sands of Time for the GameCube. That's the only one? <laughs> I just really love that game, and it feels bad getting rid of it. Oh, okay, fair enough. Uh, I own... You can probably relate to this one, Garrett. I, I own about five uh, um, collector's edition WoW expansion things, the gigantic collector's edition yeah. thing that there's there's no reason for me to have this i don't there's it's just taking up space i can't bring myself to get rid of it it's literally just i move it from place to place when i move it sits on a shelf and that's it there's no reason for me to have it it looks cool man it's your nerd cred you got to have those collector's editions out does look cool you're right about the cool that it looks i also Um, like the art books and they fit in there perfectly so why not keep the box have you i've never taken the art books out of those boxes they're fantastic open them now i should I should. Um, but uh, I definitely have some games that I don't have a thing that can play. I have a bunch of old like retro games, too, from when I was reviewing games when I was 14. I have a bunch of – and I, I have my original The Bard's Tale disc, which – guys, it's a complete side note here. Uh, I went down to InExile Entertainment to see The Mage's Tale. I walk in the door, and Brian Fargo walks up to me and goes, Hey, thanks for coming. I was like, I didn't know he was going to be here. I would have him sign my original Bard's Tale box. What am I doing? I didn't bring it. I was so <laughs> stupid. I didn't know I was going to meet him. Anyway, what about you, Christian? Yes and yes. I, I seldom get rid of games. I'm I'm fortunate that I'm, you know, uh, my life and um, Amanda's job, I, I'm not needing to flip games to support my habit. Um, so I often, I, I think I pretty much have everything that I've ever had with a few exceptions where I'll be like, ah, moving time to get rid of some stuff. But I also am fortunate to have a basement. Um, so I have, I have too much stuff. The pride of my collection is a sealed, uh, Super Mario Brothers three that nice. I, I, I no longer own, uh, 
NES that I could play it on, but I have the game unopened. <laughs> I have my our cabinet in our living room is full of uh, mostly Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 games, and neither of those systems are hooked up. But it's because that was the last era that I got physical games because I I mean I have like six physical you know Xbox One or PlayStation Four games. Everything else was digital, so. Yeah. It's weird. It's like I'm a generation behind in my display case. Yeah, I have a ton of NES cartridges and two light guns sitting around as well. But they're, nice, they're they're in they're in storage. The reason I mentioned Prince of Persia, it's it's mixed in with my games I still play uh, <laughs> in my entertainment system. I see it every time. I'm like, ah, I can't get rid of you. It's a thing now. Nice. Uh, okay, last one. Quick question. This comes from Rhodesian. Uh, best game to play with a viewing buddy, in case, in this case, my wife. Uh, I just picked up a Steam link and wanted to find a game we can participate in together. She's not a gamer, but does enjoy story, mystery, procedural dramas, etc. I think I know what Christian's going to say, but Garrett, you get first pick. Uh, this doesn't help you with Steam link, but the cheating answer is Last of Us. I've uh, told the story on so many freaking shows, but uh, my wife like yelled at me one day because I started playing before she got home. And I was like, well, Oh my God, I didn't realize you were this invested. And she's like, yes, <laughs> don't you ever play this without me home again. Um, but other than that, things you can actually find a steam link. Uh, she, uh, Katie also really enjoyed watching me play through mass effect. That's fun. Cause you can like dual pilot your role play character. Yeah. You can both try to have sex with the, th- the, the thing. Yeah. 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 And then you can get mad at each other when you want to lay with a different person. That that doesn't cause any fights, any fights at all. And then Portal 2 uh, has a fantastic Uh, story. That's a great, great pick, Portal 2. Great pick. Christian? Um, Yeah, I don't know if I think they ever came to Steam, but um, what's David Cage, Heavy Rain, um, Beyond Two Souls, those types of, you know, it's a a movie. It's a a narrative experience that I think is just as great to watch as it is to play, Uh, according to Jeff and Garrett, any JRPG, because apparently they don't like playing them, but they just want to hear the stories told as an anime. If you can cut out the the actual gameplay because it's boring and long. Yeah, you'd be like, babe, go take a bath. I'll call you back when we get to the next cutscene, and then they get to the, they get to the come back in. That's I think a lot Witcher, of baths. a lot of baths, a lot of baths. I think Witcher three could work really well, and it's just such a beautiful game that even when you're kind of roaming through the countryside, it, that could be a fun experience. A I also a lot of baths in Witcher three, <laughs> a lot of baths. Um, Metal Gear, I, if you know they're down to go crazy, like those games are so insane again not probably steam link helpful but um i think they're they're fun and, and bizarre in their own unique way and then um puzzle games like garrett said portal 2 has a great story but i think something like the witness it would be really fun to you know both people can quote unquote play at the same time and it's it's pleasant to look at and i would kind of look for games like that jeff are you going to say heroes of the storm yeah heroes of the storm no <laughs> um <laughs> she my my wife just sits behind me and goes uh Report, report to the objective. Stop, stop getting those merc camps. You know, it's, 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 it's fun for the whole family. Um, Why did you engage that fight with no mana? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, Purple Hydra said uh, heavy rain before Christian said it. Uh, Gaucho Cam says the walking dead. Uh, any, any of the telltale games, I guess. Actually, be- yeah. Any of the good telltale games. Yeah. I'm surprised nobody, I mean, you did say last of us, but I'm surprised nobody mentioned uncharted. Uncharted's great. No um, games, just period, period. Yeah, but I, the the games that I did this the most with when I was uh, younger and had like roommates and stuff, Resident Evils. Yeah, mm. g- games that scare you and also have puzzles are the best because you're like, 
go around the corner. No, man, I don't want to go around the corner. You go around the corner. There's going to be something behind that corner. And, and, uh, and then you get to a puzzle part and everybody gets to work on the puzzle. Uh, so, you know, not the current, well, I guess the current Resident Evil would work, but, uh, you know, old Resident Evils, the, the old Resident Evils were, were super fun for that. And also the old Zeldas were great for that because, uh, the, as you said, the puzzles, the, um, what do I do next? We used to have a fun thing where, I don't know if you guys remember this, but especially in the old Zeldas, not so much in this one, but they would, uh, color certain words of the dialogue in red or, or something for, for no real reason. It, like they would just have words in, in different colors. And we would do a thing where we would read them out loud and then a different person would read the, the words if there was a different color. So it'd sound all strange, you know, it'd be like, <laughs> that's, that is bizarre. Link, you have to go grab 200 rupees. You know, it would be that kind of thing. Uh, it's fun to oh, play college. games. Now, yeah, now you've fun. got me thinking about it, Jeff. Is it weird that I think the game I watched my roommate play the most was Viva Pinata? <laughs> what a great game. What a great game. Yeah. I, I was, because it would be when I was just sick and tired of raiding, I would go lay on the couch, drink a beer, and watch my uh, roommate uh, make two pinatas that should not be breeding breed. <laughs> uh, Gaucho Cam says, uh, Until Dawn is probably a good one. Um, Cheesy Bob says, The Witness gave my wife motion sickness when she was watching me play it. Um, PlayStation VR Playroom with friends is fun as hell. So lots of cool stuff. Um it's it's one of my favorite things in the world is to play games like that with a with a group or with one other person. It's the best. I did that with Shenmue. I had a girlfriend. She and I played Shenmue together. I uh, like that. And she said, "Don't call me again until there's a true sequel." Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jeff. I got married in the interim. It was weird. <laughs> She's gonna reach out on like MySpace. Hey, Jeff, have you heard about this Shenmue three? <laughs> Excited to continue our adventures. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. We can get closure on so many things. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, all right, guys. That's going to do it for this episode. We do have our parting gift coming up, plus like, I don't know, an hour of bonus content. Christian goes a little nuts with these. Um, it's like 20-something minutes, and it's worth listening to. But The last one for... was like 45 minutes. It was like a whole other episode. And on it the... was with three people, and people told me that it was very fascinating, but I appreciate you trying to take my bonus content down a peg. <laughs> When I never do that to yours, that is actually just repurpose crap from your other audio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stick around for uh, repurposed crap. Um, Back talk. <laughs> no, it's great. These are awesome. It's a really cool view into how sound works in games and how music uh, is made in, in video games. It, uh, really topics that nobody else talks about. So There you go. Uh, Get back to that script I sent you. Kudos Much to you. Kudos to you, Christian. And also, you are handsome and uh -huh. full of life. <laughs> uh, so stick around for a parting gift but I do want to thank Garrett Weinzerl for being here Garrett uh, you're one of my favorite people on the internet so thanks for taking the time to do this we appreciate it oh thanks man thank you for having me on I'm, uh, I'm actually a big fan of this podcast so I was stoked when you asked me oh cool uh, where can people find your shows and keep up with you on the internet uh, every podcast I do can be found at amove.tv that is spelled A-M-O-V-E Dot TV. I would recommend Into the Nexus if you like Heroes of the Storm or The Angry Chicken if you are a Hearthstone fan. Yeah. Uh, and you do uh, For Azeroth now too, right? I do. I do. I have a World of Warcraft show called For Azeroth. That one's not as regular as the other podcast, but uh, I would recommend it as well. And I also have a, a solo show, The Angry Nerd, if we're just ranting everything. That's Yeah, man. Why not? It's time to do that. Bring it. Uh, Christian, what about you? What do you got going on this week? 
Um, this is farther out, but in May, I'm going to be back down in San Diego at Lestat's, um, which is one of my favorite venues ever. So if you're, I think May 9th is that Tuesday. Also, it looks like I'm going to be in Austin, I think in September with more details to be coming soon as they're solidified things that are not in LA to look forward to. And then if you're just on the internet, check out, it's, it's, it's like a dollar, whatever gets you in. You don't have to, but you can. I'm proud of the show. The at least 20 more minutes, patreon.com slash Christian Spicer. Uh, last week's was all about the Destiny 2 reveal trailer. And, you know, they're always geek focused and fun. And I think you dig them. And then departmentofparenting.com is my parenting podcast I host with Chris Quintos. Right now we're on a once a week schedule while she is traveling. I think she's in Buenos Aires. Buenos Aires right now. That's not an accent that works for that uh, no, part of the no. world at all. It's not an accent that works, period. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do about the whole bonus interview that way. So look okay, forward to, <laughs> look forward to that. Approximately an hour and a half of that accent. Uh, he almost never lets the guest talk. So well, it's like Persona 5. The first two hours are <laughs> long in the continue. two, but the good stuff is great after that. Um, but check out that departmentofparenting.com. And then uh, all of my streaming is, you can find it, YouTube, whatever stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Hi, Jeff, what about you? Oh, the aforementioned uh, daily video game content that I create for Anchor, uh, anchor.fm slash NLB. It's the newest, latest, best show every single day, 10 minutes at least every single day. Uh, and I'm talking about the news. I'm talking about what I'm playing. So it's uh, it's a lot of fun. And I uh, also do other types of shows. I do the Slash Filmcast, talking about movies and TV shows. Uh, we're going to be doing a review of uh, Ghost in the Shell. Although I think I made some indication of how I feel about that movie already. Uh, <laughs> and that'll be this week. Uh, that's at slashfilmcast.com. And also, We Have Concerns is a 20-minute comedy science show you should check out at wehaveconcerns.com. All right, guys. Uh, let's do it. Let's head into our parting gift. Hey, give us a suggestion. Garrett, do you have a uh, suggestion to help people get through their week? I I do. Uh, uh, I remember listening to an episode of your of your DLC show? God, probably like a year ago now. Um, and and Christian, your recommendation was I'm going to butcher your words, but something along the lines of go do something that used to make you happy, or go do something that you used to be into. And you were talking about how you just saw a Blink One Eighty Two show. Oh yeah. Uh, and then I, and that's when I realized that, uh, you and I would be best friends if we only spent more time together because Blink-182 is amazing. But, uh, <laughs> um, this, I'm going to do a spin on that. I'm going to say, go do something that you think you would have liked when you were younger and just never made the time for, Ooh. because for me, that thing is pen and paper role-playing games. And I've just recently gotten into them and I love them. I love, love, love them. So if you miss something, uh, that you thought was for younger people, uh, go and try it. Cause I don't know. Be a kid, even though you're. I'll throw older. Pokemon into that too. We should have, we should have oh, done God, a yeah. freaking tabletop time segment this week. If I had known that you were doing that, I would have. Uh, could have actually <laughs> we, talked in depth. Uh, we'll have to have we you should, back. We, we, well, we can we can talk tabletop now. I'm not I'm, I'm not shy. <laughs> uh, what are you? What are you playing? D and D? Are you playing some other system? No, we're playing. Uh, we're playing the Star Wars uh, role playing game from Fantasy Flight Games. Uh, Edge of the Empire plus all of the add ons. So that's um, I guess we're up to Force and Destiny now. Nice. Ready for dude. celebration? 
Yeah, yeah, we're going because um, it's it's basically in my backyard. It's only two hours away, so we're we're going to that. Um, I'm actually I'm actually attending with my role playing group, and we're all dressing up. It's going to be a good time. What class? That's are you called playing? larping at that point. Not <laughs> we're not dressing as our characters from the rpg though we're <laughs> they're not even dressing up as star wars characters they're just dressing up they're like just dressing up nicely they're like in hummer limo one of us is going to show up as a furry just to really throw everyone out it's going to be a good time um no i'm playing a uh god what am i playing i'm playing a guardian protector uh, nice. But my character is basically a space cowboy who is force sensitive, but isn't doesn't know what to do with it yet. Oh, I've been there. No, yeah. I, <laughs> <What>? uh, <laughs> I was 14 the first time oh, I became rough. force sensitive yeah. and didn't quite know what to do I'm, with it. I'm very I'm very in love with the character. That's uh, great, man. I'm excited. We, ha- we haven't had a session in a little while because I've been sick and traveling. But I heard that system is really cool. A lot of a lot of dice, right? You're throwing dice to. to there are, them. yeah, but they're it they're, it's pretty simple because there's like. For the most part, two colors. There's a few extra dice for things like force uh, usage and stuff like that. It's but like it's basically custom two dice, colors. Right? It's not yeah fixes. Yeah, yeah. There's there's custom dice, so it's it's very it's it's pretty simple. Like once you roll it to figure out what you know what happened, whether you succeeded or not, and then there's an advantage and threat system that uh, makes it a little more, I don't know, unique. Awesome. I gotta. I want to play that. I want to play that. Oh, we could we could do a whole show on that stuff. Um, Christian, what's your parting gift? I don't know how to say it, so apologies if I say it wrong. And it's too expensive, so all of that with a grain of salt. But Siggy's yogurt, S I G G I apostrophe S. It's Icelandic yogurt. Like I know Greek yogurt is still the hotness and whatever, but I don't know quite what makes it different. But it is delicious. And every time at the store when they have it, they don't always have it. Uh, my local just regular grocery store, but when they have it, I get excited and then I like see how much it is. And I'm always like, Oh, am I gonna, this is, they don't always have it. So I should buy it. And it's so good. This is not frozen yogurt. This is yogurt, 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 yogurt. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Regular yogurt flavored or just uh, plain. Uh, both. They have both. My favorite of Siggy's is vanilla, which I guess is flavored, but it's not, you know, fruit at the bottom or whatever, but they have, they have flavors and it's, um, I should have Googled what Icelandic style yogurt is so I could talk about it a little more intelligently. Just, you know, save up for a week and go get I'm, an extra job. Do what you did to get your PlayStation 3 and then yogurt, go, get, right. go get it for yogurt. <laughs> uh, I'm imagining the, the the container has like a little uh, cartoon short bald man with a big nose. Uh, no, no, it's it's, it's very stylish. It's, it was a Ziggy, it's like, it was a Ziggy joke. Right. Yeah, I know. I got it. Ziggy. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's all the kids are talking about is the, the Ziggy. Hey, save that for your other uh, podcast you Ziggy. do with Star Wars' own Anthony Carboni. <laughs> uh, here's a uh, listener-suggested uh, uh, parting gift. You can always submit these yourself to uh, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Uh, we were talking about anime and how well, we are the worst three people to talk about anime. But we have somebody, uh, Rob, sent this in. He says, anime has always been of a nerd culture blind f- spot for him as well. But with notable exceptions like Death Note and Attack on Titan, most of the anime he's watched hasn't really clicked. However, Netflix has added a new anime that he highly recommends. Uh, it's a feature-length movie called Gantz Zero. Gantz colon zero. The uh, movie is hyper-realistic CGI, like Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within, and feels like a mashup of The Matrix and Attack on Titan. Without giving anything away, let's just say there's a lot to like for us gamers. The second is an anime series, One Punch Man, which I've been, so good. I've been meaning to watch that. I gotta, I gotta get on that. Uh, the show is quirky, irreverent, funny, and ultra-violent satire of the superhero genre. 
rules are established early on that are referenced throughout the season, uh, something that Jeff will appreciate. I haven't yet finished the season, two episodes left, but right now it's definitely my favorite of the anime I've watched. Uh, thanks, Rob. Uh, I will, I'm a, I gotta watch me that One Punch Man. Well, you gotta read his salutation, which he, we managed to get the DLC into it. Oh, dedicated libertarian contrarian. There you go. Yeah. Nicely done, Rob. Um, so that's cool. Uh, my, you know, I was going to talk about, um, uh, did you guys see the, the season finale of Big Little Lies last night? I have two episodes left. Oh, I'm so God. excited. So good. Oh, yeah, I won't talk about that. I, uh, my wife gave me, we, we have a, we have a house now and it has a little yard in the back. So there's room for this. So this isn't one that is useful for tons of people because I couldn't have done this when I was living in my apartment, but I know Garrett has a house now. So I'm bringing this up. <laughs> uh, hammock. She got me a hammock. Guys, hammock life is the best life. Hammock life forever, y'all. Hammock. The other day, uh, my wife uh, left the house with our son, and I was home alone. And I was like, I'm going to play me some Persona 5. I'm going to be play-. And I was like, no, you know what I'm actually going to do? I'm going to go lay down in the hammock. And I laid down in the hammock, and it was the best. I was just in the hammock. I dozed a little bit. It's hammock life, baby. It was the best. Get yourself Garrett, a hammock. Live. How do I not have a hammock? Garrett can't get a hammock until he finishes moving those rocks from one tree to the next. He's got uh, rock moving to do. I don't, I'm don't. i not getting that reference. What are you talking about? This is real life. Oh. Do you follow me on Twitter? And oh, you're, you're tw- you've been tweeting about moving. Oh, yes. I saw all the crazy yeah, work. Yeah, a doing. couple. This, this is the most mundane, like, <laughs> domestic conversation we could possibly be having. But yes, I... I loved when it happened, too, though. It's like in the middle of all these announcements and things that you're you're doing, you know, that you cover. And then I feel like one was like, got it, had a day off. And it was like moving rocks. I was like, ah... Oh, it's okay it's okay everybody stopped listening already when they heard that christian had bonus content coming up (laughs) (laughs) it was uh it was sorry i don't break out my bonus content into other shows that are difficult to listen to jeff i think my bonus content disappears halfway through when you're listening to it (laughs) shut the front door (laughs) i can't remember what they announced that day it might have been the 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 uh, probius announcement or something but that was the day i uh we because because domestic life we had to replace our entire breaker box so i had no power for the whole day oh man that's rough i, I we we, we sh- yeah have you have you had a moment of regretting buying a house or are you still happy that you did it i'm happy i bought the house uh <laughs> i'm i'm not in I'm, I'm i'm not in love with where it is yeah yeah, I'm not me either. Mine's but mine's because it's lower than where. It was. <laughs> yeah, mine too. I was happy where my my house was when I bought it. It's just not where it is now. <laughs> oh man, my house is sinking. My house is. Sinking. That's called a sinkhole. Uh, yeah. You guys clearly live in California. I wasn't aware that uh, you should. Check. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. Was, this is a recording. It's true. I was going to say, I wasn't aware you should check for Indian burial ground, uh, but it's, it turns out that's not just in movies. Anyway, uh, you're right. This is recorded. Um, using the advice of my counsel, Christian Spicer. I Who is not a counselor. This has been a silly, fun episode. I've had a lot of fun. Uh, I'll, I'll Cam brought up the fact that that Rick and Morty episode dropped on, on April 1st. Did you guys see that? That was amazing. I did not. Oh, God, it's not. so good, dude. It's my favorite thing, I think, in the world right now, too, is Rick and Morty, but I haven't seen it yet. I, I still think I prefer BoJack Horseman, but Brick and Morty is glorious and brilliant. I mean, it's a level of genius that just like you, you marvel at it. There's there's more throwaway brilliant ideas in that show than most shows have actual ideas. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's it does. It's 
it's Doctor Who, but it does it better than Doctor Who. Yes, I agree. All right, uh, we could keep doing this, but we're not gonna. Uh, we're gonna wrap up the show. Thank you all for uh, listening to us. Thanks to Garrett Weinzerl and Christian Spicer. Um, thanks to all the folks in the chat room who have hung out in real time and contributed to the show. We appreciate you guys, uh, but we appreciate all of you that downloaded the show as well. Hey, why not take a second and throw a little appreciation back our way in the form of a positive review on your platform of choice or by uh, suggesting this show to a friend or, uh, I don't know, a chat room. Uh, an on- online posting. Just, you know, help us get the word out. It helps us very, very much. Um, and also thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, Zero Star. They provided those fun bumpers that you hear. And we will be back next week. Uh, you do have bonus content coming up. Do not miss that. It's really cool. Uh, until next time, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. Go tell and roadie. Go tell and roadie that everybody's dead. I was raised in a deep, dark hole. Hey everybody, thanks for joining us for this bonus content of DLC. I am joined by Michael A. Levine, who is a composer and who you most likely know most recently, if you're listening to this show, for writing and producing the theme song for Resident Evil 7 Biohazard. Go tell Aunt Roddy. Hello, Michael. Thanks for taking the time. Well, hello. It's it's actually Rody, but yeah, Roddy's close enough. It is. It's, I heard it in the in my head, the song playing, and it is. But you know, I I make mistakes. <laughs> Go tell Aunt Rody is it is actually a traditional song that when I was a kid, I'm a little bit older than you. When I was a kid, we used to learn in grade school, and I mistakenly thought it was still known by everybody um it's apparently you know just as old parts and um it i adapted the song using the original chorus was the old gray goose is dead and i changed it to everybody's dead and then i wrote verses that went with the song that went with the game that were new verses and new music but uh but the, the core of it was this traditional song and the reason why was that the the clients are are Japanese, they're uh, Capcom, and they wanted something that was recognized by the world over, but they wanted something traditional. So I just, because of this weird coincidence that I was born in Japan, uh, I'm, I'm what's called an Edoko, that means somebody born in Tokyo, I knew that there was a, a traditional Japanese song called Musunde, which is Go Tell Aunt Rody with different lyrics. Oh, and cool. so. I suggested it because I knew that they would th- know that song. And in fact, in Japan, Musunde is still taught in elementary school. And so here I, I was laboring under the 
misconception that this song would be known worldwide. Fortunately, the clients bought it before they found out I was wrong. <laughs> and now you've just uh, ruined the potential childhood of future Japanese children and not uh, American or Westernized children as they realize the song they know and love is actually horrific and terrifying as adapted now. <laughs> well, that was my intention. I, you know, I, up till now, my greatest crime against humanity was probably writing the music for the Kit Kat Give Me a Break jingle, which is considered to be one of the worst earworms of all times. And and I, I think this this comes close in terms of just, you know, what I've done to make people's lives less productive and valuable. <laughs> well, I think this song, well, I mean, we can talk about Kit Kat later and, you know, I'll get your home address and come and, and secretly just put a pillow over your face while you're asleep, which I think means you did a great job with it, I think is what that means. It's very successful and therefore the worst thing ever created in human existence. Um, <laughs> I like pillows. Okay, good. Yeah, it'll be a comfortable one, not a throw pillow. It'll be, you know, it'll be nice. Uh, with with this song, you know, I've listened to some of your work and, you know, of course, preparing for this interview or this discussion, I should say. Interview makes it sound more formal than it is. Um, what was your experience with Dark and Twisted? Because this song from the get-go, when this trailer came out, I mean, talk about setting a tone for what this game was ultimately going to become uh, versus traditional, you know, commercial jingle or even scoring for film or TV. I mean, this thing is this thing is heavy. Well, you know, I think part of the reason that my clients were interested in my take on this was because I had uh, produced with my former assistant Lucas Cantor. I produced a, a, a cover of Everybody Wants to Rule the World uh, a few years ago, and this was. A uh, a song that was a you know happy perky '80s hit from Tears for Fears, and uh, this trailer company wanted to, to to do a dark version of it. And I you know there's nothing more fun than taking something happy and charming and turning it into something dark and threatening. I, I think if you talk with most people who are sort of you know, who create dark and threatening art, you'll find that most of them are fairly cheery people because this is how they get their yayas out. And so uh, it, it really was something where uh, I, in that case, we were incredibly lucky because they had a, a, a singer in mind uh, who that was signed and, and not yet broken in the, in the United States, and her name was Lord. And um, so in that case, I, uh, my daughter, Mariana Barreto, um, who uh, I, I often work with, great singer, but she has a sort of a, a, a beautiful, lovely woman's sound. And uh, it, the only reference I had for Lord was Royals, which hadn't yet been released as a single. And so I went, oh, you know, and this is, you know, Lord is singing in her head voice, Royals, Royals. And, and I went, oh, she's got a typical woman's range. So I send the track to her in New Zealand, and she sends it back singing an octave lower than Mariana's reference track, which was in a normal woman's range. And, and Lord had sung it starting on the E below middle C, which for the musicians in the audience, for a woman is really friggin' low. And so um, it, I was horrified for about five seconds and then realized it was actually totally genius. It, it 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 conveyed that was what was it uh, Assassin's Creed trailer and I think it was used in a Hunger Games as well yeah. if memory serves yeah. so it, it was originally um, 
written for a trailer that it was never used for, and we thought the track was dead. Um, and then Lord, um, you know, Ella is Yelchin is her real name. Uh, Lord had a, um, a contractual obligation to deliver something for the Hunger Games Catching Fire, and somebody went through her stuff and went, "Hey, this everybody wants to rule the world. That's dark and scary is perfect for this movie." And so they used it and then after that it got picked up by assassin's creed which is probably my favorite use of it by the way the, the assassin's creed unity trailer it's a and phenomenal trailer if people have forgotten it um go back and watch it because it, it is phenomenal there's like an eagle or a hawk flying through um you see kind of the streets overcrowded and it's it's stunning and the song works so well in it as well well it's interesting they edited the song to work better for their video I've seen another version where somebody edited the video to work better for the song, and I thought that was pretty clever too. Oh yeah. But it, it, at any rate, they the um, uh, as a result of that, I think I got a little bit of a reputation in the game world as the guy who can take otherwise friendly things and make them horrific. <laughs> and so uh, when it came time to do this song, they 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 my agent uh, one of my agents is Japanese. Um, Koyo uh, Sonai, and he's um, he was great because not only did he actually literally translate the you know service translator between me and the clients, but more importantly, he really understood both gaming culture and Japanese culture, and so he smoothed things out that might have been massive misunderstandings. Right, which I'm sure is is always a concern when you're dealing with you know, a client and especially working with a song that is so well known in another language. And that is the language of the client. You need to make sure that, that everything translate as it's supposed to. And it's not, you know, offensive or just doesn't make any sense at all. Like <laughs> let's go on a picnic. Now we're on an elephant or something, something that just doesn't yeah, work. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we, we've all seen what happens when you put something into Google translate and then you know, you translate it to another language and then back into English and you go, really? <laughs> it always comes out perfectly every time. <laughs> um, so I, if there's something you can't say, I totally understand. I'm not, I'm not looking for, for dirt or to get anyone in trouble, certainly. But what did you, I mean, this game came out, it be a phenomenon, you know, reinvigorating the Resident Evil franchise and fully playable in VR. And that's how I played it. And it's absolutely terrifying. And has made this, you know, twenty-year-old franchise very fresh again. When they came to you and kind of pitched you on this project, or reached out to you to to pitch to them, what did you know about the game, kind of going in, or tone, or feel, or where were you when the project came to you in terms of what this was going to be for and what you knew you'd be working on? Well, if I were smart, I would lie. But the, to, to tell you the truth, um, I. I was remarkably ignorant of the history. I knew I had heard of the game. Uh, I knew it had been around a long time, but I had never played it before. And I didn't know what its history was. And only later did I actually do some research and go, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I found out, for example, that this version is a return to its horror roots and it had gone off into more of an action direction for a while and so forth. And, you know, I, I, I think in a way, usually I'm in favor of more knowledge, but I actually think that the fact that all I had to work with was their direction, a story synopsis and some pretty sketchy storyboards was actually an advantage because then I didn't have preconceptions about 
what it was supposed to sound like or what it was supposed to feel like. And I've gone back and listened to a lot of the the uh, Resident Evil stuff since then, and you know that other people have done. And um, you know, there's some really good work, but it's quite different from this. Well, certainly, yeah, the franchise itself has evolved from, I mean, they'd always struck a chord with fans, but the very first game, talking about translations, it came over to the U.S., and while the gameplay was engrossing and, and terrifying at, at parts, you know, some of the dialogue in the game were things like, I'm glad you saved me, I almost became a Jill sandwich, and just very ridiculous kind of, you know, early 90s, late 80s, uh, Japanese to English translations that still carried over into the mid to late 90s. So, <laughs> My father um, was a scholar of Japanese uh, culture. He was a, uh, had been a translator for a Japanese admiral during the occupation uh, in World War II, and, which is a fascinating story in itself. The, the, the guy he was a translator for had designed the Yamato, which was the last battleship ever sunk in, in combat um, and the most advanced battleship ever built. Fascinating story. But as a result, my dad became really interested in Japan and um, ended up and he spoke fluent Japanese. And so um, he one of his frustrations was he the, the Japanese developed a system of learning English called uh, Eggo, sort of like, you know, Lego my Eggo. And um, and Ego was uh, included all this fractured English and it got taught by the people who learned it, then taught the next generation how to to speak it. And so uh, it, it, that has all changed in the last generation. But even in as recently as the, the 90s, uh, it was still Ego still ruled, which was really its own language different from English. That's fascinating. I mean, they're they're vastly different languages, right? In terms of sentence structure, and you know, of course, not sharing <laughs> an alphabet. But I can't imagine trying to learn that language as quickly as the Japanese people and their culture were expected after World War II. To then, I mean, it still blows my mind. My my dad was a, a Navy guy and a big history buff, and just the idea of what's changed in a relative blink of an eye is it, it's astounding. What it is. Done. I mean, it, it happened very quickly between the mid forties and the mid sixties. It was one of the most remarkable transformations of a society in history to go from this, uh, extreme, uh, autocratic society to a really vital democratic society. And, um, to have, uh, you know, the degree of modernization that occurred, it's, it's really remarkable. But there's a, a chapter that most Americans don't know about, which is that when, the Japanese had a revolution in the 1860s called the Meiji Restoration. And it was it was supposedly they were restoring the emperor, but it actually was a uh, they were overthrowing the shogun. And they realized a lot of the forward looking uh, people realized that if they were not going to be conquered by the West, they needed to be able to compete with them head on. And so they established, among other things, a, uh, a, a the first universal schooling that had ever existed. Up till then, you know, the only people who were educated were the aristocrats. Well, now everybody went to school. And so that is interestingly enough how Rodi became Musulunde because they brought in the leaders in newly developing mass education, American teachers. And 
Japan's educational system was to a large extent founded by Americans. And here we are full circle uh, <laughs> back at the song. Well done, by the way. Well, well done. Um, so what was that process like from anything just, you know, you're a genius, which I know you are, and you just wake up one day and you have it to toiling and the the struggle of, you know, the overly complicated structure of crumpling up things and throwing it into the wastebasket and coffee cups littered everywhere or, or for when you, Michael, when you sit down to work or when you worked on this song, what was the process and what was kind of the day to day as you made progress through it? Well, the song was pretty much written very early on. The arrangement of the song, um, evolved over a period of time. So and can we pause there for people ignorant like myself uh, in layman's term, what is the difference? Well, you know, the song was go tell and roadie, go tell and roadie, go tell and roadie that everybody <laughs> is that. Okay, so that's the song. And then there's a verse that talks about events that occur in the, sh in the game and so forth. And so... Um, I sold the clients pretty early on uh, on adapting that because of the history involved. Um, and I wrote a couple of verses that eventually got shortened. They're, they're, each one ended up being half as long as they, they originally were. It was originally a little more explicit about things that happened at the game. Um, but, but for the most part, that didn't change a lot. What changed was initially – it was more musical in that the accompaniment were more traditional kind of instruments and, and the kind of thing you would expect if you turned on the radio. And uh, as it evolved, it became more and more what's called sound design, where the, the really the, the musical part was focused mostly on the lead vocal. Uh, and it, it only really becomes musical toward the very end of it. Right. So what was that evolution like between, you know, starting at one point and getting to the other? Was it at some point it became very clear that that was the focus or is that what kind of Capcom was leaning toward? Or as you played with it more and more, it kind of that made it feel more haunting or is it a little more collaborative? How did you get from from A to B? Well, I loved working with Capcom because every time I would send them a version, I would record a new version and then send it to them. And they would say, make it scarier, make it weirder. And I was like, really? Okay. And um, so eventually it just, I mean, it finally got to the point where some of the people on the team went, maybe this is too far. And if they had a, apparently a big discussion about which direction to take. There were a couple of different versions that, that they, they liked. And, um, but uh, one of the things was at a certain point, they felt that I should look for a vocalist who had a more edgy sound than Mariana, who had sung the the reference lead. And she has a, a great she's a great singer, but she it's a very pretty voice. And so they went, okay, well let's get something that's edgier. And and so I put what I thought was an extremely discreet uh, notice on a composer's bulletin board, uh, and said. I was looking for a singer who could sing dark and scary or whatever, but I didn't say what the project was or anything. And a few hours later, I, it was less than a day later, I get a call from a frantic call from my agent Koyo who says, you got to take down that post. The client saw it 
and uh, they think you're going to blow the 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 secret. Oh yeah. Uh, oh no. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Well, fortunately, in that short time that it was up, a lot of people saw it and passed it on. And uh, one of the people was um, someone who helps uh, in the management of Jordan Rain, who's a wonderful singer, interestingly enough, from New Zealand, like Lord is. But she lives in the UK. And so her she has some management here in L.A. And they saw the post and connected me with her and clients liked her right from the get-go I had I mean we there were many many submissions um uh I I don't know the exact number I, I I've used the term over 100 I don't know if that's true but there were at least 70 or 80 and um it was it, hers was a standout and um the the clients really liked her I really liked her she turned out to be great to work with we had this fabulous session when we finally did it for the final session where she was in London at 6 p.m. I was in L.A. at 10 a.m. And the clients were in Tokyo at 2 a.m. And the session lasted two hours. So their session ended at 4 a.m. These guys know how to work. Yeah, yeah. what a perfect, uh, you know, happy accident that, that the, you know, the post went up. Nothing was spoiled. Um, it got in Jordan's hands. She delivered the track. I mean, I know I personally submitted 40 uh, take so you know no big deal you didn't pick any of them I think two of them were excellent um, yeah yeah I, I told you that right. <laughs> yeah thank you I, I appreciate I appreciate the kind words um, I don't want to keep you I mean I do want to keep you all day but I will not keep you locked in a haunted house um, talking with me all day but what what's next for you in a dream world um, in terms of horror or are you kind of done with or looking to do something cheery again or if you could make any cheery cheery song horrific do you have the next <laughs> one you know the next mary had a little lamb until she gutted it like a fish like what's the <laughs> where are we going oh yeah yeah that, that, that's that's the vegan version i guess uh, <laughs> yeah. uh well uh, there's a few things that I, i'm uh, being considered for that i can't talk about uh-huh uh, perfect i'll look for the composer message board I, posts about them yeah, there you go. Um, what can I talk about? Well, there's a, a couple of movies that are out that are, I think are really worth watching. Um, there's a, and these are not dark and scary. There's a wonderful documentary on uh, HBO called Landfill Harmonic, uh, which is about these kids in Paraguay who formed an orchestra, but they didn't have money for in, for instruments. So they the, the instruments were made out of materials recycled from the local landfill and uh i'm very proud of that one um that's on that's on hbo right now uh there's another one called city 40 that is on at netflix which is that's pretty dark and scary it's about this insane director snuck into a secret russian weapons nuclear weapons building city and what she found there and um, uh, and I just did a you know I've got a couple other things that are that are there's a really cool science fiction project called the Summerland Project I don't know when that's going to be released but the thing I'm most proud of I right now that's just out is I did an album with my daughter Mari called Samira and the Wind S A M I R A and the Wind you can find it on Spotify on iTunes. Um, it's not dark and scary. It's very pretty and, and spiritual. And, um, if you want to know anything more about the crazy things I'm up to, you can always go to michaellevinemusic.com. How's that for complexity? 
um, Michael Levine, L-E-V-I-N-E, music.com. And uh, there's links to all sorts of fun stuff. Awesome. Well, thank you for taking the time. Thank you for, um, man, well, you know, Kit Kat will leave alone. We'll leave it alone. It's whatever. It is what it is. It exists, and I will be singing it for the rest of the day. And um, your dark and scary stuff is fantastic. So if you ever, you know, feel the need to get back into that world, please know that that we're ready. Well, that's, that's one of the things I can't talk about. I got one coming up. Oh, yeah. okay, great. We'll talk about that a year from now. Great. We'll circle back. Well, until then, go to michaellevinemusic.com. Check out all of his stuff. Michael, thank you so much for taking the time. I really, really appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Christian. Bye-bye. Until